are continuing our auspicious journey of trusting in the Lord, it's taken us quite a distance thus far. We have pre presently arrived at the sidewalk of the tribulation, and we're docking here for just a moment, traveling in exquisite class uh, under the anointing and power of Almighty God, being guided by the angels of the Lord that will name their names a little bit later on. I'm James David Manning, and this is the Trust in the Lord Hour. Today, I want to discuss with you sort of the summary judgment of the summary tribulation judgment of God, his name is Jesus, against uh, Japheth and Shem. Um, as the tribulation um, is focused on both of the sons of Noah in terms of the things that Almighty God has done. First of all, let me summarize the tribulation in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, uh, starting at verse 1 through 20, and then it gets a little bit more serious as it goes along. Number one is that God declares his name is Jesus. Uh, the first thing about the tribulation uh, is that he is going to tear down the temple. Now, let me also quickly hastily, hastily say here that this is not about hate. Many of you have been uh, with me and my teachings and following for years. Some of you have just come on board. Um, and I, you need to understand that this is not about hatred for Jews. I am not a Shemite or a Jew hater. I am not that Jesus is a Jew. I'm not a hater of the Jews. Uh, and I'm not a hater of Japheth, who is the father or the name, the, the appropriate name to given to white people or Caucasians. I don't hate either one. What you will find me doing without turning to the right nor to the left is teaching what Jesus, what John the Revelator uh, has said and what Moses and Elijah have both said. I'll give you two from the Old Testament and two from the New Testament regarding God's summary judgment against both Shem and Japheth. So let's get that straight. Don't think that somehow or another that there is hating or that I have flipped or something of that nature. You know that's a lie from the pit of hell. No, it's just the word of God, what I've always used. Now, having said that, let's get down to what God has said in his summary tribulation judgment against uh, Shem and against Japheth. Starting at the tribulation summary itself in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus says right off the bat, starting that chapter, that the temple, and he is going to oversee it, uh, that was once used for Jews to bring their offerings and their sacrifices, celebrate their Passover, atone for their sins, is going to be torn down, for it will no longer have a use. Not one stone will be left upon another, Jesus said, regarding the temple. Not one stone. Uh, if you go back to verse 1, Mr. Engineer, if you'll put that up, you'll see. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and the disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not the, all these things? So verily I say unto you, There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now Jesus is declaring, if we come back, that yes, that the temple will be torn down. Well, Jesus is not crazy. And the uh, reason for it being torn down, it no longer has any use. You, you might as well put up a cage somewhere 
it'll have more of a use or than the temple uh, because that, that practice uh, has, been, has been completed in the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood is now the sacrificial blood. And Jesus himself is the Lamb of God spoken of by John the Baptizer who was the son of the high priest Zacharias and his mother was named Elizabeth. And John grew up in that temple. John grew up in that temple. And when he saw Jesus coming, he said, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Now let me quickly state also so that my Jewish friends will be clear about this. This is not the first time that the temple was torn down. Indeed, uh, it was Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of his army, that tore down the temple that Solomon built when Almighty God deserted that temple many years earlier and the Jews uh, were carried into captivity. But Nebuchadnezzar tore down the temple of Solomon and stuck a match to it and torched it and took all the precious and gold and all the things that were worthy out of the temple. So not, it's not unlike God to tear down the Jewish temple, uh, except this time it shall never be rebuilt. That's number one in terms of our summary about judgment against Shem and against Japheth and the summary of the tribulation. And then Jesus goes on uh, as he now focuses on Japheth, he talks about there should be uh, false, Christ, false prophets and false churches and false teachers and liars and, and then wars and rumors of wars. You know, Japheth loves to make war because he makes his money by making wars. Every time he needs some money, he makes war. And Jesus said there were going to be plenty of them, but Jesus said he was going to make war against Japheth by creating famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. This is also just a brief summary of the events of the tribulation. And then he moves on down to verse 16, and he says that, that and that, that's against Japheth, we just announced, but it goes back to Shem, and he says, those that are in Judea, which is the heartland of the Jewish faith, it is the heartland of the Jewish religion. And Judea is the one time sacred ground of the Jewish faith and the Jewish religion. It was in Judea that Jerusalem itself uh, is housed and the temple was built. But he said that when he brings his wrath upon the whole earth and his summary judgment against Japheth and Shem, he said, flee Judea, flee the Jewish religion. Now, I know that that is hard for any Jew to take. I'm just telling what Jesus said. And you, what you ought to do is that go ahead. I'll give you the liberty, if you so choose, to be angry with Jesus. I'm just saying what Jesus said. Don't be angry with me. I have every right as a servant of the Lord, his name is Jesus, to say what Jesus said. But Jesus said, if you're in Judea or in Ju Ju Judaism, flee to the mountains, he said. You can say, well, it didn't mean really leave the religion, just go to the mountains. All right, I'll, you can do that if you want. But what he does say is that 
during this time of wrath, you'd better not be in Judea because he's going to drop the hammer on Judea is what he's trying to say because it's no longer the holy city. It is a city like unto the city of Sodom and Egypt, according to John the Revelator in Revelation chapter 11, verse 8. It's like the city of Sodom and Egypt is Jerusalem. So th these are just things that, that uh, Almighty God has said. I'm just quoting Jesus and John and Moses and Elijah. And then he goes on to say in verse 20 that pray that when the tribulation hits, that you are not living in the land of winter, that your flight be not in winter. And we've gone ahead and we've talked about, we'll talk a little bit more in detail about the land of winter and the land without winter, namely the Japheth land. He lives in the land of winter, uh, all of Russia, Finland, Norway, Sweden, up in Europe and England and Ireland and France and Germany, Czechoslovakia, Uzbekistan, Poland, uh, Switzerland. These are the places of the land with winter. And Jesus said that when the tribulation happened, pray that you're not living in the land of winter. And then he goes on to, uh, to, to pass judgment on the biggest Sabbath breakers in the world. The Japheth man is the biggest Sabbath breaker in the world. That Catholic church, that Pope, and them Southern Baptists and Evangelicals and Pentecostals and Apostolics, they are the biggest Sabbath breakers in the world. They, they break the Sabbath with a kind of zeal that God is going to send them all to the lake of fire for. But he says, pray that when the, when the hammer falls, that you're not living in the land of winter and that you're not a Sabbath breaker is what the Lord says. Now, so this is a summary of the tribulation judgment against Shem and Japheth. Now, there's another son on planet Earth. There's only three. The other son is Ham, and we're going to talk about him. But I wanted to be able to get that out to you as we get started here. Now, we, I have told you uh, in a summary of what we have been able to teach uh, since we left or traveled to Haiti and have returned is that we have come now by revelation power to understand that Japheth lives in the land with winter. We just outlined it. And the biggest Japheth land, um, the biggest land of winter is Russia. It covers eight time zones and Siberia is nothing but snow and snow even in the middle of July. But then, of course, right next to Russia is Norway and then Sweden and then Finland. And then, of course, you've got uh, you've got uh, the European nations. You've got uh, the England. You've got all of those are nations in Poland and Czechoslovakia. And all these are a land with winter where well, we didn't know that. Uh, as a biblical paradigm until God spoke to me and I brought back a bag full of blessings in my mouth. I brought a bag full of blessings back from Haiti as I sat there in the Toussaint L'Overture Airport there in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. God, his name is Jesus, put a bag full of blessings 
of demon casting out, demon stopping power. God put a bag full of blessings of health and wealth in my mouth, and I have been speaking it ever since my return from Haiti a few months ago. Now, so now we know where the land will winter, but now we need to understand that the people who live in the land without winter are already excused from a certain segment of the tribulation because, why is that so? Well, I'll tell you, is they are excused because they don't live in the land with the winter. So when the hammer drops, they don't have to flee because they're living in the land without winter. Now, if you look at Africa, the continent of Africa, uh, the equator uh, runs right through the middle of Africa from north to south is pretty evenly divided. And all of Africa is without winter. Now, down in Cape Town, it gets a little chilly now and then. But all of Africa, pardon me, is without winter. And the heart of Africa is without winter. And then as we try, so, they, so Africans don't have to worry about the hammer of the tribulation dropping on them and there will be no need for them to pray that their flight be not in winter as Jesus teaches in verse 20 of Matthew's gospel chapter 24. But then when we travel west to the islands of, um, that we have in, known as the Caribbean or the West Indies, all that chain of islands from Bermuda, Bahamas, all the way down to, the, uh, to Guyana in, 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 in South America and Belize uh, in uh, Latin America, uh, and then all the islands in between, whether it's St. Lucia, Dominica, Grenada, the Falcons, uh, St. Kitts, uh, the Nevis, St. Croix, St. Thomas, St. Vincent, Haiti, Dominican Republic, Jamaica, Cuba, Cayman Islands, the Grand Turk, Caicos, and everything, the Virgin Islands, the American and the British Virgins, and Grenada, and everything in between is a land without winter. Now listen to me very carefully. Listen to me very carefully. These people do not have to pray for uh, that item that Jesus outlined in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, verse 20, of the great tribulation prophecy and narrative, if you will, for they live in the land that is without winter. And these people primarily that dominate that land and that the majority are, are Canaanites. They are the sons of, of Ham, that whose land that God gave. Now, to all my Shemite uh, associates and, and followers and friends, please know this, that I have always gladly preached the word of God when God told Abraham, first of all, that he's going to his children, his seed, would be slaves to my father Ham in Egypt, for 400 years, and my father was going to do the wrong thing and afflict them. But I also said that when God brought them out with an outstretched hand with General Moses, he brought them to a promised land that was once the land that belonged to my brother Canaan, Canaan land. 
Now you can find all the references of Canaan land starting in Genesis chapter 9. You'll find Canaan uh, mentioned there. But in Genesis chapter 10 verse 6, Genesis chapter 10 verse 15, 18, and 19, you'll find references to the land that my God, his name is Jesus, gave to the Jews, which was my brother Canaan land, the city of Jericho. My brother Canaan built that great and massive city and God tore it down and gave it to the Jews. In fact, he took all the loot and all the precious things of the city of Jericho for himself. But he gave my brother's land, Canaan land, to, uh, to the Jews. I've already taught, I've always taught that, and I've never had a bad attitude. I've taught it because it's the word of God. But more references for you biblically in Genesis chapter 12, verses 5 through 6, you'll find the reference of Canaan land. In Genesis chapter 13, verse 7 through 12, You'll find the reference of Canaan land and Genesis chapter 15 verses uh, 21. You'll find more references of Canaan land that God, his name is Jesus, gave to the Jews, my brother's land. But now the Canaanites then went to live in his father's Egypt, uh, Ham's house for a while, and then drifted west throughout Africa till he came to the Atlantic Ocean and set up a plethora of nations along the west coast. Uh, of, uh, the, of, of Africa and then Japheth came in the slave ships and my father's uh, my brother's fathers sold all the children in the slaves packed them like sardines on those slave ships and the Japheth man the Japheth sailor and Japheth merchant marina took my brother's children Canaan to the West Indies and and, and all those islands down there, and then took them also to Charleston, South Carolina, took them to North Carolina, took them to Georgia, East Texas, Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina. The Japheth took uh, my brother Canaan's children and made them slaves all up and down the West Indies and all them islands down there. And then what Japheth did coming out of England, out of London, out of England, he named all those islands after his saints. Now here's what this boy did. I'll tell you what Japheth did. We got to deal with him. I, I'm going to get the, the West Indian people some knowledge. Here's what this boy did. Japheth, here's what he did. Now God said he's going to do it because God said that, that Canaan shall serve. Shem and Japheth. I'm not angry about that. I'm not mad. I'm not one of them out there teaching and preaching and hating that kind of thing. I'm just, God said it. God said it in verse, was it verse 24, 25, 23, 20 through 25, that Canaan was going to be a slave to Japheth and Shem. I just want to tell you what Japheth did. I tell you what Japheth did. Japheth took my brother and all his children down there to Canaan land. Put him in slavery. Well, God said he was going to do it, so I'm good with that. I ain't good with the fact that he was a brutal person beating them up and cutting off their feet and, 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 and separating their children and raping the nine-year-old girls. Well, I ain't good with that. No, but I, I you know, I, but I'm good with what the Bible said. But here's what Japheth did. Here's what I got to organize. Uh, we're going to pray about and somebody's going to pick it up and, and run with it because I got a whole lot of things to do up here in, in Atla. Japheth went down there, took the slaves, 
and then gave all them islands down there his, the name of his saints. I said, that nothing. What the hell? So they won't argue and fight. He named all the islands after his saints. So, so, so I mean, you got Canaan, you know, you got him over there, you caught him over there on the west coast of Sierra Leone over there in Ghana, and you brought him over here. He don't speak no English or anything. So the Japheth boy said, well, this is a, this is a holy island because his name's St. Vincent. <laughs> well, his name's St. Martin. It was a Murphy. Now, Murphy is what we say when you're trying to run a game on somebody. You're trying to pull the wool over their eyes. You're trying to hoodwink them. But yeah, that's what Japheth did to keep all the Canaanite slaves happy and told them to be at peace. He named them after his saints over there up there in England, up there in Ireland somewhere. Hey, so he did. And then, of course, the French that took over what was in the island of Dominique. Uh, until to, to Tucson Overture and Dessalini has got a hold of them. Uh, in Haiti, they named Haiti Saint Dominique after the French patron saint. Yeah, but uh, Tucson Overture said, we ain't having no more of this. And they threw out, and they went and got themselves an Aborigines name, a name that outdates uh, all of the English tongue and named the island Haiti, which means the, the land of high mountain. But yeah, that's what Japheth did. Show he did. So that the slaves would stay quiet. Now, don't go running off talking about I'm preaching hate. I'm just telling you what the word of God says. I'm telling you that God said that my brother Canaan was going to be enslaved to Shem and Japheth. Didn't I tell you the Bible said that? And didn't I tell you I preach every word of God? And please remember that when I tell you that the Jewish people are no longer God's chosen. Remember that because I'm going to show you that in the word of God too. I'm going to show you that. I'm going to tell you that the temple is no longer a place of sacrifice nor the presence of God. I'm going to tell you that too. Because it's in the word of God. Oh, it's in the word of God. So now what we're doing here is that we're looking at the summary judgment of the tribulation against Japheth and against Shem. And Shem, well Japheth rather, I mean, Canaan doesn't have to worry because he's not in the land of winter. Now, he is a Sabbath breaker because Japheth told him to break the Sabbath. He's a Sabbath breaker. But we're going to get him back to worshiping the Sabbath, and he'll be pretty much good to go. In other words, if you can get all the Canaanite brothers and Hamites down there now, too, uh, in all those islands down there, and also in, you know, the states I named East Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Arkansas, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, uh, Oklahoma. You get all these Canaanites who live in these lands to go back to Sabbath worship that, and I'm going to call for it, it's, Y'all need to pray with me and help me. I'm going to call for it because if all the Canaanites and the Hamites made the, 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 the blessings of God that they're going to all return to Sabbath worship, if, if they did that, now listen to me very carefully, if all the Canaanites and all the Hamites made a unanimous decision from Grenada to Belize to uh, 
the Cayman Islands to Jamaica and everywhere in between. In North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Oklahoma, uh, Arkansas, uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, Florida. If every Canaanite and Hamite, and of course you got Canaanites and Hamites now living in Los Angeles, got them in Chicago, New York, and they'll be included in this process as well, as well. Now you listen to me very carefully. If every Canaanite and Hamite united and says that we're going to throw off the Japheth lie and we're going to become Sabbath uh, worship observers, we're going to observe the Sabbath as our day of worship. If every Hamite and Canaanite united to do that, it would bring the economy of Japheth and Shem under the power of Ham and Canaan. If every Hamite and Canaanite united together from L.A. to Guyana and from Maine to East Texas, and all of the islands of the West Indies in between made a unanimous decision that we are going to return to being Sabbath observers the way Moses taught us in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 5, 8 through 11. It would bring the Japheth and Shema, it'll bring Wall Street to its knees and they'll have to come begging you who will want slaves to help them out financially. I'm telling you, that's where your power lies. That's the blessing that is in my mouth from Tucson Overture Airport in Haiti, Port-au-Prince. That's the blessing in my mouth. If every, I'll repeat it, Hamite and Canaanite from Los Angeles to New York, and everywhere in between, down to Guyana and Grenada, up to Jamaica and Bermuda, and everywhere the Hamite and Canaanite can be found, said that we are one and all going to become Sabbath observers, and we're going to worship on Saturday. It'll bring Wall Street to her knees, and she won't be able to move her trade unless she gets a cooperative work-out agreement with Canaan and Ham because the economy of the world would stop if Canaan and Ham became observers of the Sabbath. Now, I'm going to make that my, my first, pre, that my preamble to all of my statements of leadership and development of the Canaanite and Hamite man as he gets ready to walk into the 1,000 year reign of peace and as he gets ready now to experience a freedom and a prosperity as he has never, never, never received before. And his prosperity and freedom will be greater than anything that the uh, mind can imagine. There will be pockets in Haiti that will be called Solomon's Row. There will be streets and neighborhoods in Haiti that will be called Solomon's Row. The same thing in uh, the other islands that we shall name because Solomon's Row. 
And you want to know why they'll be called Solomon's Row? They'll be called Solomon's Row because the wealth of the individual Haitians, the wealth of the individual Canaanites, the wealth of the individual Hamites will be like that of Solomon. And everybody living will be as wealthy as Solomon and they'll be called Solomon's Row, Solomon's Grouping. They'll set up banks called a Solomon Bank and in God we trust. Not just Solomon Bank and Trust, but Solomon um, Bank and in God we trust. I'm going to make this announcement. I'm going to be asking for the men, the Canaanites and the Hamites to come and, and listen, sit for 90 days and listen to me teach. Sit for 180 days and learn the power of obedience and then sit, sit for, for one year and learn to purge yourself of Japheth and his Sabbath teachings and his civil rights teachings. Purge yourself of his sodomy. Purge yourself of his filth. Purge yourself of all of the, the blasphemous things that he does against God. And when that happens, we'll make a decree and set a date where we'll all have the biggest Sabbath worship that the world has ever seen. Even Shem himself, the Jews, will not be able to compete or compare with the Sabbath worship. Now we'll have a little problem with the Muslims because you know they Sabbath worshipers and observers as well. But yeah, I'm giving a call to all Canaanites and all Hamites that unanimously and not one child, not one suckling of the Canaanite, Canaanite, Canaanite blood and Hamite blood will not be a bona fide, God-fearing, God-blessed, Holy Ghost anointed Sabbath observer. In the days to come, we'll speak more. We're simply doing a summary here today of the bag full of blessings that Almighty God, his name is Jesus, put in my mouth as I sat there in the seat of Tucson Overture. So we got the land without winter. Is that right? Well, already blessed. Already blessed. Already blessed. Now, I need to say to you, just like I've said, that when God told, his, told my father Ham that my brother Canaan was going to be a slave, to Shem and Japheth, I did not ever utter a mumbling, disagreeable word. I did not utter. And I have preached in Harlem. I'll tell you about the miracles of Harlem. I preached in Harlem for years. Thus saith the Lord, you were supposed to be slaves. Now, nobody wanted to jiggy with it. In fact, people ran away from the church and left me and walked out of church and cursed. And many threatened to kill me. But it's God's word that they shall be slaves. But that's, that day is over with. But I want to say now in the same strength and the same preacher, stomp down, preacher, that the Jews are no longer God's chosen people. That's right. No, that's right. That, that they're no longer. You say, well, where do you find that in the Bible? Well, I'll tell you where I find it. I find it in God's word, first of all, that the city of Jerusalem is no longer an holy city. With John the Revelator under the power of Jesus says that, uh, that they are, the temple shall be torn down and therefore that the door has been opened to all to come 
to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is the new temple. That's right. And then I'll tell you that in the book of Revelation, the last message to the church before they defiled themselves was that the Jews that say they are Jews, but they are not. They are of the synagogue of Satan. That's in Revelation chapter 2, verse 9. And you might find the same statements by Jesus about the synagogue of Satan in Revelation chapter 3, verse 9 again. Now, why did Jesus say this? Well, he said it because it's true. Many of them are of the, of the, of the synagogue of Satan. And the Jews that are not of the synagogue of Satan are no longer Jews. In fact, none of them are Jews. They say that they are, but they are not. Get Mr. Engineer, please, one more time. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 9. It says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, you Jewish people. I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not. You're not Jews anymore but of the synagogue of Satan. That's all it says right there. You don't mind me teaching the word of God, do you? You don't mind me teaching God. I didn't, I, I'm just teaching God's word. So now, what we need to do, and I was going to do a teaching about synagogue, but I don't have time now to get into all the details of what a synagogue is as opposed to the temple. Well, let me tell it anyway. See, the synagogues, were houses of meetings for Jews that lived outside and they were too far away to journey to the temple in, uh, in uh, Israel uh, on, on uh, the Sabbath or the holy day. So they had a thing called a synagogue. And a synagogue had to comprise of 12 Jewish, bona fide Jewish families. A synagogue. And they, it wasn't a temple. It wasn't a temple. Uh, the temple was holy. But the synagogue could be a place 12 families of Jews can get together, bona fide, and then they, they worship. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, starting at verse 1, the Bible says that Jesus walked into uh, a, a synagogue, I believe, was there in Capernaum, I believe. My engineer's going to give it to you in just a moment. Um, yeah, uh, and at, at verse 1, it says, And he entered again into the synagogue, talking about Jesus. And there was a man there which had a withered hand. Verse 2, And they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he said unto the man, which had the wizard hand, stand forth. And he said unto them in the synagogue, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, oh Lord, woo! Oh, this guy, these modern day Christians, got to get these, uh, these Brooklyn Tabernacles and these... Um, Times Square Church Christians let them read this because they didn't know that Jesus got angry. Oh my God, 
Is that in the Bible? Let me see. Get my glasses. Is they said Jesus got angry? Yeah, what's that? Said Jesus got angry with them people sitting up there in that church. He got that son of God got angry, and being grieved, he was angry and upset for the hardness of their hearts. He saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored, whole as the other. Now thank you, Mr. Engineer. Now here, here's what you need to know: a synagogue is a place where Jewish families gather. But Jesus said that those of y'all that now, you don't go to the temple because the temple ain't there no more. You're so, so you got, but he said you are not, you're not Jews. You are part of a synagogue of Satan. Bring that up one more time, Mr. Engineer, uh, so they don't, they don't think I'm, I'm making this up. Uh, he, he said you don't go to the temple no more because the temple torn down. And I told you it's going to be torn down. But he says, you can't, but you are now a member of a synagogue, but the synagogue you belong to is the synagogue of Satan. All right, that's what, I've, that's, what the, that's what the scripture says. That's what the word says, my brother, my sister. And uh, you're going to have to let me go ahead and teach that. So, well, you don't believe in Jesus. Okay, that's good. You want to get an attitude? Get an attitude of Jesus. I'm not here. I don't hate Jews. I, no, I don't do that. I don't, I don't hate Jacob. I'm just... Teaching God's word. Oh, I didn't say I was incapable of hating. No, I didn't say that. I just said I don't. I could if I wanted to, I guess. I don't want to hate Jews. I don't want to hate Japheth. Listen, the fact that Japheth had Canaanite and Ham in slavery, ain't no part me be mad with that. God said, if I'm going to be mad with somebody, I need to hate God. And I ain't going to hardly do that. No, so I don't hate Jews. I'm just teaching you the word. Trying to get them to hear what God has said. I just said Jesus said it. So now, there has been no biblical prophet to Ham and Canaan to speak like this. When we call forth for all Canaanites and all Hamites to unite as Sabbath observers, it's going to shake up the world. We will then control Wall Street. Because what the devil has done is that he has used Saturday to slap God in the face. Both Shem and Japheth used Saturday as the biggest money-making day in, in the universe. And God's going to give us the power to bring Wall Street to her knees. I'm going to hire some bodyguards because they definitely gonna, don't want to let this word go out, nor do they want that day to come to pass, but I've given you the outline of the 30 days and the 90 days and the 100 days that you need to go through in order to be able to get yourself ready for this great and powerful day when we exercise a power like the world ain't never seen. When all Hamites and all Canaanite, Canaanites uh, make the agreement to hold the Sabbath day as our day of observance, of worship, and obeisance before God. So there's been no prophet. There's been no prophet. There's been no prophet to Ham or Canaan. Uh, Paul was sent to the Gentiles. Uh, Moses was sent to the Jews. Abraham was the father of the Jews. But there's been no prophet until today, until now, that Ham may have a prophet. The civil rights movement was not God's movement. It didn't set anybody free. 
calling for a black president if Obama was never black, ain't never been, don't even have a black spirit about him. That didn't do it. No, God didn't send him. God didn't send Martin King. Now you need to get rid of it. You need to get, you need to hear that. Now it may take you some time to fume and steam and feel embarrassed, but get over it. Get over it. God didn't send him. I said, God didn't send him. No, God didn't send him. And didn't send Obama. No, God didn't send him. Get over it. Get over it. And let's get on now. Well, then what, who did and how did? We're going to find out. But God has sent himself a prophet to both Ham and to Canaan. Now, we know where the land of Canaan is. And I did a message. I told you I had a mouth full of blessings in my, uh, in my mouth as I came from Haiti. And the reason why, you know, I've traveled the world. I have, thanks be to God and the wonderful people of the Outlaw World Missionary Church. And usually when I travel, I take from 20 to 25, 30 people with me everywhere I go. I don't travel alone. I take the church leaders and school children most of the time. And I've been to most places. I met Elizabeth in the land without winter. We met uh, in uh, Liberia and, uh, and in South Africa. Uh, and then she and I have traveled to Ethiopia. And, uh, and I've been to most of Europe. I have. I've traveled all over America. But I've never been to a place that is... Uh, as anointed as Haiti. And now I know why. I know why. It's the center. It's the very heart beat of Canaan. It is, and it's the first. When the Dessalines and uh, Toussaint L'Overture made the decision they were not going to be named by some French patron saint, Dominique. And they changed the name to an Aborigines name, Haiti, so that Japheth nor Shem could never say that we have named you. And I taught earlier today that when, when Japheth uh, enslaved, according to God's word, uh, my brother Canaan down there, he named all those islands after those saints over there in England, over there in Europe. St. Vincent, St. Lucia, all them saints, so that the brothers would keep quiet because they're living, they, they tried to say it was holy ground because it was St. Vincent and St. Thomas. You got the idea. It wasn't holy ground. Ain't never been holy. And them saints they're talking about won't holy either. None of them. They ain't no holy. Don't know more about that God than a rock down in the bottom of the Grand Canyon knows more about Jesus than them saints over there in, in England. I'm telling you just like it is. So now, what God has done is sent me to do this summary of the judgment against both Shem and Japheth. I'm not finished. There'll be a part two to this judgment, but this is just the beginning. So let me recap. We've done a summary judgment of the tribulation itself in Matthew's gospel, chapter 24. And then we brought you verses from the Old Testament and the New Testament documenting who was scheduled to be slaves, who has been appointed and anointed by God to be slaves both the Jew and the, the, the Hamite, 
both the Shemite and Ham, have been appointed by God to be slaves. This appointment of slavery by God comes both out of the book of Genesis. We pointed that out. We pointed out the tearing down of the temple and the unholiness and unworthiness of the county of Judea or Judaism and of the synagogue of Satan and how it is comprised and why it is comprised and why Jesus has identified it. And then finally, let me once again say that you don't mind me preaching the word of God. I don't hate you. I don't. And no point in you hating me because it ain't going to get you nowhere. You need to listen to me. No, you need to listen to me. You need to listen to me. And if you got hate, then send it towards Abraham, Moses, because Moses wrote most of that Old Testament, uh, the book of, of, of the first five book of the Torah. You want to hate somebody, hate Moses. He's the one that said that Shem was going to be a slave down there in Egypt. I don't get you, but don't hate, don't, don't hate me. Then go, you need to listen to me, and you need to pray for me. And then when you really get up on it, you'll start thanking God that you now have seen the light and have heard the truth. And that's for everybody. No, I'm the Lord's servant. Always will be. I'm James David Manning, everybody. And this is a great day. A great Sabbath is coming among the Canaanites and the Hamites. Go ahead, Mr. Engineer. We've, We've come, come to announce, announce the, tribulation, the tribulation, the massive mass killing, killing machine, machine of the unrepentant, the, the massive mass killing, killing machine, machine that God, God will use. War, rumors of war, earthquakes in diverse places, famines and pestilence. You know, when you know, God, God killed, killed off that crowd during, during the days of Noah, Noah the preacher of righteousness, the Bible says, when God, when God killed, killed off that, that crowd, crowd, he only he used the flood. flood. But this, this is a massive killing machine in this, in this modern, modern day. God, God has put to work the earthquake, the rock, the rat, the famine. All of which will pursue you and hunt you down until you are dead. And what will be left will be the elect. All right, my friends, I am here to uh, inform you that New York City has the most expensive water in the entire world. We are back now in a court proceeding regarding the water and sewer tax on our much-loved property, the Outlaw World Missionary Church here on the corner of 123rd Street and Lenox Avenue. Many of you have been aware of a court battle that we started back in February of 2016, where the New York City, in conjunction with a bank, uh, tried to foreclose our property uh, for water and sewer taxes. At the time, in February of 2016, 
the amount of money that the city was demanding from us was $1.2 million uh, in order that we could stop uh, or keep our property or be foreclosed. Upon close examination of the bill that was presented to the court by the city of New York, we discovered uh, that the billings that came from the Department of Environmental Protection, which regulates the dispensing of water and the carriage of sewage from all buildings and property in New York City government, non-for-profit, public, and corporate and for-profit businesses, one agency oversees that entire process. They're called the Department of Environmental Protection. And we discovered that uh, the Department of Environmental Protection, in their calculation of what water we had used, notwithstanding that the, uh, the city of New York and the state of New York have both uh, given us a full and complete tax exemption because we are a not-for-profit organization that operates a homeless shelter 24 hours a day. We operate a breakfast program, a soup kitchen, a, a school that covers kindergarten, elementary, middle school, and high school that's been running for over 25 years, a church and a ministry of counseling and teaching, a prison ministry uh, that goes on 24 hours a day, seven days a week inside of the property you just saw. So New York City and New York State have both exempted us from any taxes because of the services that we provide to the community that are invaluable to the city. But the Department of Environmental Protection is another animal. They're the one that control the use of water. And what we discovered through the work of our investigation and our uh, opposing this matter in court, that the city stated, or the Department of Environmental Protection stated, that even though they were asking us to fork up $1.2 million, uh, the bill, the true bill that they alleged that we owed, even though we don't owe it, we're tax exempt, was, was $105,000 that had accumulated over a period of 25 years, uh, the charge for the water. But with their adding on of interest and other charges, ran a $100,000, pardon me, I said uh, $105,000, ran a $105,000 bill that accumulated over a period of 25 years, all of which we, uh, we vehemently and vigorously oppose, to $1.2 million is what they want from us for serving us water and allowing the sewer service to uh, flow from our property. $1.2 million, that was bad in 2016. We took them out of the court and we swatted it away because it was an invalid foreclosure and had enough holes in it to make a, a whole pound of Swiss cheese. The judge removed it. And, uh, and we then went back to the court and said to the court, we want you judge to look at the fact that a previous law court in the city court system of New York under the judgeship of Judge Cornreich, a judge that uh, we were completely tax exempt from all water and sewer charges uh, going back to the year 2001 or 2002 or somewhere thereabouts. 
that judgment was handed down to the city of New York, Department of Environmental Protection, told them to leave us alone because we're completely exempt. We have a homeless shelter. We, uh, though we have par par parcels in the building uh, where people live, such as myself and a caretaker and administrator of our school, that we are a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, fully exempt, and the judge ordered the city of New York to back off, shut up, and leave these people alone. Well, the city of New York did not do that. Now, the reason why the city of New York were distressed by that decision from Judge Cornreich declaring us not owing the city Department of Environmental Protection not one dime was because they have foreclosed on hundreds of small storefront churches who in New York, the churches, buildings were converted uh, from uh, tenement buildings into storefronts and then above that residential areas. And there are literally thousands of them over the city of New York. And the city has been foreclosing or yanking or jacking taxes and water charges from the apartments above the church, but allowing the church to enjoy a tax exemption even from water and sewer charges. And when the judge ruled in our favor, Judge Cornwright ruled in our favor, that was a precedent, that was a watermark uh, for all churches that had been foreclosed previously, property confiscated and sold by banks and people thrown into the streets. Well, that, all that, those decisions going back years have been overturned by the decision of Judge Cornwright that decided, because we put a vigorous defense up stating that we were fully tax exempt. But the city then appealed it because they realized that they would be caught really red-handed uh, having foreclosed, disrupted, destroyed families, destroyed people, uh, and, and, and just confiscated property from people through an illegal tax of water and sewer. And so they appealed and took it to the Court of Appeal to, to the Appellate Division in New York. And in the Appellate Division, there was a, a case also going for, there's a, the Watchtower, the Jehovah's Witnesses have a mega building about 30 stories high in Brooklyn called the Watchtower. And in the Watchtower, they have religious organizations and religious services and administration, but they also have a number of rooms in their building where they house visiting preachers or counselors or people coming from out of other states uh, to stay while they're hosting events or conferences. That matter went before the appellate division and the appellate division ruled that the Jehovah's Witnesses, though their main feature could be water and tax exempt, uh, having members come in and sleep overnight in some of their rooms was not tax exempt. And as a result of that, uh, when our case went before the appellate division, the judge did not rule against us, but sent our case back down to the lower court to be reviewed based on the uh, Jehovah's Witness Watchtower decision that appeared to be similar to ours. But our case is distinguishable from the Jehovah's Witness case. Our case, though we have rooms in our property uh, that's not a sanctuary or fellowship hall, all those rooms serve as either homeless shelters or legitimate areas of parsonage or administrative or caretaker, which is also uh, exempt under the water and sewer. So we are distinguishable. 
uh, and the, the, the appellate court did not say that we were tax exempt. It sent it back to the, the, the law court that brought to the city of New York to re-examine it. And when the law court, we appealed after the foreclosure action, the law court, same judge that stopped the foreclosure action, looked at the Jehovah's Witness uh, uh, action and said, well, even though you have been given a tax exemption for years, uh, the law court is now reversing that. And so the judge then denied us full tax exemption and the city has come after us again. Uh, but this time, not for $1.2 million. They come after us for $1.7 million for water. Ain't that nothing? So therefore, we've called this segment, New York City has the most expensive water in the world. I mean, it is an outrage. It's unconscionable that the city of New York would even come anywhere near us or, and not allow our exemption to go through and just leave us alone. I mean, how can a building like this use $1.7 million worth of water in an entire lifetime. Look at that, look at that's our building. How can we use over $1.7 million in water and the nerve of New York City to wanna to charge a church in Harlem that educates children from kindergarten to high school, runs a breakfast program, houses the homeless, they want us to give them $1.7 million when the courts have already said previously we were tax exempt. But because of a Jehovah's Witness decision in the appellate division, our exemption was then yanked from us. And it, by the way, it isn't that we didn't say to the city over the years that we're tax exempt. No, we did. And so now the matter is being noised abroad to go back to court. You know, we haven't taken the matter fully to court as yet, but we're going in. We're filing motions and going in again. And we're just letting you know that we're going to start another great big fight here in New York City. I'll be coming back from time to time to give you the progress report. There are several things that we want to look at. I'm not going to reveal them now because we got uh, enemy ears listening. But I want you to know uh, from the horse's mouth, if you will, uh, what is going on? Now, we're going to defeat it. There's no doubt about that. You know, I mean, it's be an outrage. I don't think there's a judge in New York City, even one of our worst enemies, that would shut down a church over a water and sewer bill. I don't, I don't, I don't. I mean, we got some pretty liberal judges here in New York. And, you know, yeah, that goes as, but how you going to fix your mouth to write a law to put a church in the street for the homeless shelter, and we've been doing this for years. We have fed over one million meals to hungry bellies here in, in Harlem, and we got in New York City in totality. We got a breakfast program that goes on every day here in this community. But I wanted you to know, and see the real deal behind this, it, it, it is not that the city doesn't recognize that we are, they've already get the state of New York says we want to possess taxes that we don't pay any property taxes. The city of New York said we want to taxes that we don't pay any property taxes. In fact, the city and the state of New York have given us uh, decrees and said if we want to go out and buy something for the church, if we want to buy a piano, we want to buy a pew, or we want to buy something for the church, we want to buy a light fixture, that we don't have to pay tax on anything except these 
thieves over there at the Department of Environmental Protection. We don't have, we want to buy a television for the school. We want to buy, want to buy a desk for the school. Want to buy It'll make a junkie say Jesus is Lord. I got a word in my mouth. I got a word, word. We are on the Manning Report, and guess who you've got? You've got Manning. That's me, James David, Righteous Rebel Manning. And Sabbath is still working with us uh, in terms of production, and she'll be back uh, joining us as co-hosts in not too many days. Large number of things to cover today. Thing number one we want to cover is I want to ask a question about why is it that a big-time lawyer like Michael Cohen, uh, who has been uh, Tribulation Trump, the great billionaire's personal attorney since 2006, has to hawk his house in order to raise $130,000 to pay Tribulation Trump's sex bills. I mean, I mean, I mean, he had to hawk his house. This is all documented, my friend. I'm not making this up. To raise $130,000 to pay for Tribulation Trump's sex bills. Michael Cohen's house is now in jeopardy because of Trump's sex escapades with Stormy Daniels. A couple of questions. Number one, doesn't Michael Cohen or Tribulation Trump have a stash? Remember Goodfellas? Remember the movie that went on and on and on with these Italian guys out there in Brooklyn? Or Long Island. And they would all like, have a stash, a, you know, a safe box with money stashed under a bed or, you know, in their grandmama's house somewhere. You know, we can go get ready cash when the bank ain't open. Doesn't Trump have a stash? Because uh, doesn't, not, doesn't, I mean, I mean, it, he had to put his house in hock. Listen, when you, when you hock your house, I mean, you ain't got no money nowhere else that you can go and get. And this, Michael Cohen has been Trump's lawyer since 2006, and he can't put his hands on $130,000 after serving the great big $10 billion billionaire? Somebody said, either both of these boys are broke and poor as Job's turkey, or something about this ain't right. One of the things I know for sure, that if they had money, if that they would have had to, you know, you don't, you just don't hock your house. You know, you, you sell something, you know, you, you borrow it from a friend, you, you know, you get a personal loan from the bank, you know, you sell some stocks, uh, you take something out your 401k. You don't hock your house unless you're down poor showing a broke. But that's what he did. So, I mean, what, what kind of conclusion are we to draw from that? But the other thing is that he didn't do it to pay a medical bill. He, he didn't do it to save someone from cancer, uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, you know, or you know, a charitable organization was in desperate need of feeding the children and um, he, the, 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 the raised money quick, he hocked his house to be able to, no! 
It was to pay a sex bill for a low-life degenerate like Tribulation Trump. I mean, can I talk to you? This thing is stinking to high heaven. I mean, and then I understand it was reported in one of the newspapers that he got, that Cohen got angry because Trump didn't give him the money back. So now, I don't think, and you know, Trump is the one. And Trump is denying that he had sex with, with Stormy Daniels. But who else would Michael Cohen put his house in hock for? Who? <laughs> Can you see how crazy, you see how deranged this whole process is? How deranged this whole Trump orbit is? $130,000. And then that ain't all. He went and formed an LLC, which is a limited liability corporation named Essential Consultants. Because he didn't take the, you know, the bank, you know, you go to the bank, I need $130,000 on my mortgage, on my pay my mortgage. Then the bank will put, you know, most people have the money goes directly into your account, right? Or they give you a check. Why did he just have, write a check from his account? to um, uh, the Aventi, Michael Aventi, uh, Aventi, who's Stormy Daniels' lawyer, if I'm pronouncing his name correct, forgive me if I'm butchering it. Just write a check to the law firm there in California. That's it, it's paid, right? No, he goes and spends money and time creating a bogus, a phony LLC called Essential Consultants and then he puts the money in a consensus after open up a bank account, demonstrate it's a business, put the money in there, and then writes a check from essential consultants to the to another lawyer, a lawyer named what's her name? Her name is Jill Martin, who is a California lawyer, and she is assistant general counsel in the Trump Organization, and she uh, runs the Trump Golf Course just outside of Los Angeles. So he writes the check to her, and then she, uh, well, then orchestrates the agreement and issues the check because Michael Cohen is not licensed to practice law in California, so he has to get another lawyer, but he gets another Trump lawyer, right? When I would think, just give her the money. But they're trying to hide something. So they went through this LLC down in Delaware, then back out of Delaware into Long Beach, California, somewhere like that, and then into and then into Los Angeles. I mean, this money went, this money had been all over the world. <laughs> the fellow told me that uh, uh, that this, uh, members of the, the the dollar bills were in the church call, uh, offering basket. And uh, so there was some $100 bills there, $50 bills, and $1 bills. So the, 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 the $50 bill asked the $100 bill, said, where you been? So the $100 bill said, man, oh, I've been all over the world. I've been to the fastest restaurants. I've been to the, the chicest clothing stores. And I've been to the fancy automobile places. And so the $100 bill asked the $50 bill, where you been? $50 bill said, well, I've been to some of the places, not quite as often, but I, you know, I've been to fancy restaurants and, you know, I've been to Broadway and I've been to a lot of places and, uh, and just having a traveling the world. So the $50 bill asked the $1 bill, said, where you been? The $1 bill said, I've been in church. I've been in church. I've been, I've been in church. Okay. All right. Okay. 
I can never get people to laugh. I don't know what it is. Anyway, so all this, this money, this $130,000, first it went down to Delaware, then it came back from Delaware to New York, then went from New York to, uh, to California, and from California to some city in California, and then Los Angeles. What are they trying to hide? Here, okay, so I'll make them a little. But my, my concern here is this, is that Trump does not have $130,000 cash stash. Michael Cohen, a big-time lawyer for a billionaire, has to hawk his house for 100 grand to pay a sex bill? This is stupid. Hey, Robert Jefferson, what do you think about that? Hey, James Dobson. Hey, Jerry Falwell Jr. Hey, Alex Jones, Sean Hannity. Hey, Sean, why don't you let him have 130? What y'all think about that? That your lawyer has to hawk his house to pay your sex bill and didn't get the money back. I'm James David Manning, everybody. I'm the Lord's servant. Cardi, pass one more question. One more question. I promise not to bother you any further. Don't bother me no more. The question is, are you are you happy? Are you happier now? Um, actually, ever since I became like real popular, I'm not really that happy to be honest with you because you have people like you all the time judging me when I was when I was me and judging nobody you. knew me no you 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 judge you judge how do you, you think judge he judge Beyonce. you like you judge Beyonce like you have people I'm, like you always judging me and it's just like it's hurtful it's it's, it's annoying and I can't stand it and it's how so crazy I because you? I make how did I judge you you're you're biased and I I'm not going to blame I, you for I'm that I'm expressing a point of I, view I am not you're going judging to. me you're judging me. I'm not I'm expressing I'm, a Cardi, point is he of allowed view. to have his? Is everybody so allowed to have their point of view? Opinion. I'm just telling you my opinion. That's what I'm saying. Your opinion is okay. You could do what but you want. But it's not necessarily judgment. It's Cardi, I, pass I, us one more question. One more question. I promise not to bother you any further. I, I need to ask something of those of you who were with me during the days of Obama, and uh, you're still hanging on, but we don't have a relationship anymore. Others of you may wonder why I don't relate to you any further since we've moved from Obama to tribulation Trump. And, and then, of course, you might want to get this message out to some of the friends that y'all may have been discussing. What has happened to me? Have I flipped? Have I become racist, et cetera, et cetera? I, I want to ask you just one question, and I promise not to inflict myself upon you any further. Truly, why can't you give me the freedom of speech to speak against tribulation Trump? Japheth and Shem, the way I spoke against Obama and Japheth. And, and listen, now before you answer, before you answer, you may think that tribulation Trump is a saint. You may like be these other fools out here who say that God sent him. I'm, oh, I, that, that's fine. That's, that, that's fine. You have to realize people said the same thing about Obama, that God sent him. Yet, when I spoke against Obama, when I put Obama on trial, when I went after him, I mean, I got, I could run up 500,000 views or 900,000 views or a million views. I could run them up in a heartbeat in two, three days because you were out there. And I want to speak to the Hamites, people like Tom Joyner, Steve Harvey, and all the other broadcasters in the Hamite regime. Why aren't y'all picking up on me the way 
uh, Shem and Japheth picked up on me and carried me and allowed me to, 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 to have these, this wide publicity. I'm coming, you miss, I'm uh, Tom Jordan, Steve Harvey. Y'all missing a great opportunity, uh, but I have been able to do better with just one person, Janice Bennett, uh, Benz, who is an entertainment pro professional who has allowed uh, my video about Trump to reach nearly 6 million views. So all y'all combined probably couldn't do that. But so God has a way. But I want to ask, I want to ask you brothers out there looking at me now, calling me a racist, a hater and a flipper. Why can't I have the freedom to talk about tribulation Trump? Why are you taking that away from me? Well, I mean, you agree with me when I was talking with Obama, talking about Obama and Jefferson, and I'm good with that. But you have to realize your mouth ain't the prayer book, and you don't get to choose who I approve of or who I don't approve. You don't get to choose that. And because you have chosen Tribulation Trump as a Messiah, as a prophet, as this extraordinary person, you don't get a chance to impose that on me. And then if I don't agree with you, all of a sudden, I'm a racist. No! Freedom of speech. It, it really represents your lower intellectual strengths and a baser personality that is no higher than room temperature in terms of your intellect. Because if you have no further discerning abilities to look and say, well, he spoke against Obama, and why can't he speak against Trump? If you can't make that decision, notwithstanding, you can have your own opinion. But if you're not discerning enough to recognize, I have the freedom of speech to speak about each one of these low-life pieces of trash. If you don't know that as a way of which you guide your life, you are as dumb as dumb. And as you can call, when you call me a racist or a flipper or whatever, it just demonstrates just how dumb you are. It's not even racist. Because it, racism would, would give you at least, you still can be a discerning person as a racist. You're just too stupid to realize I have the freedom, of, the right of freedom of speech. If I don't like Trump, I don't have to like him because you like him. It's childish. It's kindergarten. It's juvenile. It's who you are. You are despicable. And Trump is a degenerate. No doubt about it. So, you know, I, I mean, why can't I condemn him? Why? You know why? You know what your problem is? Is because for years you knew and know now I'm a truth speaker. I speak truth to power. All up in the Oval Office is where my truth goes. And you know it. Coming fresh out of heaven as a fiery chariot, my truth goes stomped down. Show enough. Boom. Shakalaka truth. And you know it. And that's why you don't want me talking about Trump. Because you know I'm telling the truth on that orange hat orangutan, that coochie grabber, that New York liberal, that bankruptcy king, 
that rapist and racist, that liar from way back when, that despicable, debuggy-eating general. You know I'm telling the truth. That's why you don't like it. No, you're discerning. You know better. You just don't like it because I'm telling the truth. The difference between me and you ain't racism. It's just that you are willing to live with a lie because the truth ain't in you. And therefore, you will cohort and suborn and promote a lie, but not me. I'm James David Manning, everybody. I'm the Lord, servant. I will not let that orange-haired orangutan, I will not let that coochie grabber, I will not let that scumbag, I will not let that liar, I will not let that psychopath, I will not let that Nazi tribulation Trump speak ill against the members of this church or the members of any of the states and nations of Africa or Haiti or anybody else. I rebuke you in the strongest terms. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I rebuke your mama and I rebuke her where the sun don't shine. You ever raise your voice against the people that God has put uh, under his care and under the power of his word. I rebuke your mama where the sun don't shine. I rebuke you and everything you stand for. I curse and bind you, you orange-haired orangutan, you low-life piece of dung yourself. You are worthy only for a major flush along with no wiping, you piece of dung. You ever, did you ever, don't you ever, and those of you that agree with tribulation Trump with respect to Haiti, you will not speak. And I'm calling on every Hamite, everyone with any Haitian or Hamite blood anywhere at any time to stand up and defend. Do not let this orange hat freak. Don't let this Nazi label the people of Haiti or the people of Africa or their progenity as dung. Don't do it. Orange had orangutan, the piece of trash, the piece of dung born of that wicked woman out there in Queens that hatched him from between her legs out there in Queens one day. Because that's what happened. He wasn't born. He was hatched with feathers on him coming out of his mama's vagina, smelling like the landfill out in Staten Island is what his mama's vagina smelled like when that freak was born. That's why he's a coochie grabber. He keeps reaching back trying to grab his mama, grab her coochie as he was hatched out of her coochie. This orange-haired orangutan, this duck, they said when well, they called him Donald, his mama, when she saw them feathers on him, that's why she named him. She named him Donald because he's Donald Duck. That's what he is, and he's a coochie grabber because he kept trying to crawl back up in his mama's coochie. That's how come he's such a liar and a freak. I want to put forth a call for five million Hamites, Canaanites, Haitians in particular, and in the league. To form a union, uh, to contribute $100 each, to buy all of Tribulation Trump's properties, starting with Mar-a-Lago and the Trump International Hotel, Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, and the Trump International Hotel in Washington, D.C., starting there. Five million 
Hamites and Canaanites uh, contributing $100 each, raising a half a billion dollars to start the process of purchasing, purchasing Tribulation Trump's properties. And the reason why they should going to be purchased, and they'll be purchased at a fire sale, because Trump will be indicted or commit suicide, or the Mueller investigation will tighten a noose around him so tight that he's going to have to sell off, off his properties. I just did a piece earlier where I explained that Tribulation Trump's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, had to hock his house to raise $130,000. Now, you know, when you know, I got to, when you have to hock your house to raise $130,000 to pay a sex bill, ain't no money. They, these boys ain't got no money. They ain't got no money. This went to the drug dealer. At any rate, or loan shop. But at any rate, I, I, I seriously, I want you to be very carefully now. Think about this, and we'll see how God will work all this out. If five million Hamites and Canaanites with Haitians in the league, and everybody all down in the islands, invested $100, it would raise half a billion. If 10 million Hamites, Canaanites, invested $100, it'll raise a billion dollars. That would be enough money to put in a structured program whereby it would then begin to finance the purchase of Mar-a-Lago in Florida and the Trump International Hotel in Washington, D.C., the Trump Tower here in New York, and some of the Trump golf courses, the Delray Beach uh, Trump golf course, also in Florida, and other properties as well that will be sold at a fire sale because Trump is going to need money. He's going to need it desperately. His son-in-law, Jared Kushner, has been flim-flamming people from various nations taking money while alleged to be an emissary for the Trump administration representing America. He's representing himself. All of this Mueller is going to put a squeeze on them. And when it happens, they're going to need money. In fact, they need money now. They need money desperately now. So I would think that if, if those of you out there would hear me, and we can find some people that are credible financial people, whose heart's in the right place, that either Hamanite or Canaanite, whose heart's in the right place, but they have great financial expertise. They have been known to deal in an equitable way and an honest way with the people, whether it be a broker from Wall Street or an insurance representative or some other kind of person that is a Hamanite or Canaanite who has financial experience and put together a board of directors, and then hold a conference and ask each Hamite or Canaanite person for $100 only in honor of refuting Tribulation Trump for having called Africa and Haiti as an asshole. And most Hamites, you can get 10 million Hamites to come up with $100. That ain't no big thing. You'll get Hamites who want to come up with 1,000 or 100,000 knowing that we can take Trump's properties, all of them, all of them, the man that disparaged uh, Haiti 
and Africa in the worst way, and we can then run our beautiful children, turn the properties into schools, turn the Mar-a-Lago in, into a school to educate at all levels, into a college to educate and, and, and give Haitian children visas to come to educate themselves and all, from all down in the islands, from down in St. Kitts, from down in uh, Jamaica, can come to Mar-a-Lago and we can turn uh, Trump Tower uh, into an education institution or keep it as a hotel and use it as an international Hamite and Canaanite hotel managed by, we need to find people that are Hamites who have hotel management experience. Uh, we need the people who have worked for the Four Seasons Hotel, who have worked for the upscale, the St. Regis here in, uh, in New York. We have a member of our church who's now studying law who worked for the Waldorf Astoria at one time. We need to find people of the Hamite Canaanite persuasion and ability who have expertise, who work at the Waldorf, who've worked at the Plaza Hotel, who work at the Four Seasons, and who've worked at Marriott's and other Hiltons, and who understand hotel management, so that when we take charge of this, it will not be a skippy organization run down half-hearted. No, it'll be run in the most upscale way, even better than Tribulation Trump is running it. Yeah, and promoted as such, and the education. Well, I'm not talking about my doing this themselves. I just want to get out there and put the idea out there. We need to get out there on the Steve Harvey show and the Tom Joyner and everybody else. I'm putting the idea out there. See, God's given me the strength to blow the idea. God's given me the mouthful of blessings to bless the project. And then we can call for And we'll look at the, 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 the pedigrees, the resumes of those who would want to orchestrate. Senator, the president, the board of, uh, board of directors, the chairman of this organization, bringing 5 million or 10 million Hamites and Canaanites together to then purchase Trump properties. And, and, and we, even before Mueller ties that noose around his neck completely, let him know that we're watching him. We're waiting for him to fall so we can take his properties and let everybody else know it as well. And there's another thing, a shield that I have called the Sabbath day unity of Hamites and Canaanites that will stop all of Wall Street. We'll get to that. That's another uh, blessing that God's put in my mouth. We'll get to that at another time. But yeah, I don't have to run this. You say, Pastor, you're trying to run it. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm the Lord's servant. I ain't got time to run no banking industry. No, I'll, I will teach in a school, but I ain't got time to do this or put together a board of directors or sit down and have coffee in Danish with y'all in some boardroom. I ain't going to do that. That ain't my stick. That ain't my style. I don't do that. I'm just the Lord. So I'm telling you what the Lord said. So y'all take it and run with it. Take it and run with it. But I want to be there to bless it. Call it together. Hold the first prayer meeting. And we're going to look for the best and the finest of the Hamites and brothers who got a good record. Now, we, we, we don't want none of these politicians. I'll tell you this right now. Now, I will have some, I do want to have to say, we're, we're, no, no politician. You're congressman. No, no, no. You done been tainted by that chicken blood. You've been eating chicken blood. You're a politician. You've been eating chicken blood. And you have, to be a, to be a politician, 
to the Hamite community to come out of the hood, you, you sell us out. We know that. Oh, we know that things you have to do. You have to bow down to Mr. Charlie and sell us out. We know that. And that's why we don't want you. Because you've been, you had chicken blood in you. Well, find some brothers that nobody knows about. Find a brother who has demonstrated that he's been upright, upstanding, manages his family well, and has a love for the Lord God Almighty. And he's, he's uh, kept his nose clean. There's somebody out there that can do it. And they put together a constituent of board of directors to serve along with him. And then we'll find people that know how to manage the Waldorf or worked at the Waldorf. And you get the idea. No, I don't have to have, all I want to do is open it up with the first prayer meeting. I, I want to call for it and get out there in the ether and get out there on these broadcast programs and begin to talk about it so the Hamite community can wake up and realize we can buy Trump's properties. And we want him to hear about it while he's deliberating. We want him to hear about it. We're going to tell you, brother, when you go, gone, guess what? We're going to be in your house uh, doing the do. Ha! <laughs> That's right. We're going to be in your house. Listen to James Brown. Say it loud. <laughs> you know, Maxine Waters' husband is a banker. Is that right? Uh, he is. I think they, 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 so we'll talk to him. I don't know whether he would be suitable for this. I don't know whether because they were in a little trouble and Maxine Waters is a politician. But she might be able to help us. No, we're going to go ahead now. And uh, I'm, I'm putting it out here today. Uh, you got my information, call me. Now you will call me or you uh, send an email or you contact me. Uh, put, that, put that number up on the board there, Mr. Engineer, the 877 uh, They can call it and the secretary will take the number and I'll get back to you when I got the time. I'm a pastor. I got, I got a school I'm running here and I got sermons I'm preaching and a, and a, a report that I'm doing here and I got People in this community that in New York City, I'm fighting. Well, I'll get back to you when I get Send me an email. Put all that information up. Put the email information up so you can send me an email. You can send it directly to me at otlaw1 at aol.com. I'll take it. But the best thing for you to do now to really get with this, the best thing for you to do is to follow me on Twitter at Dr. James D. Manning, right? Follow me on Twitter. And, and, and go to my Dr. James David Manning Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter at Dr. James D. Manning. Put that up, Mr. Engineer, as well. All right, where's well, we putting it up? Take down the title so you can put all that stuff. We don't need the title no more. Take, can you take that down and put up, the put up the Twitter account, put up the telephone number, put up the email address, put up the Facebook address, and put up the Instagram address. And you follow me on all those things. That way, every time I open my mouth, what I say is on Twitter. Every time I open my mouth, it goes out on Twitter. Every time I open my mouth, it goes out on Facebook, except for when they throw me in jail and they ban me for 30 days or something like that. But Twitter's more reliable. Instagram is more reliable. My email address is always there. It's always there. And when communicating with me, Put in your headline subject matter so I, won't be, I know I won't be listening to some knucklehead. Uh, 500,000 uh, Hamites and Canaanites to buy Tribulation Trump properties. Put that in the subject matter and we'll be able to uh, know exactly uh, who it is that needs my attention.
So let me recap. I'm asking the engineer, put up all that information, Mr. Engineer, uh, so that people can see it. The telephone number, the email address, the uh, Twitter account number, Dr. James D. Manning, that's going to be your most substantial way of dealing with me through Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, Dr. James D. Manning, at Dr. James D. Manning. is my Twitter handle. And uh, then there's the Atla, uh, uh, AL1, AOL, and then, of course, there's the Instagram. You can go to Instagram if you like. Mr. Engineer, can you go ahead and, we ought to put Instagram up. Just, that's enough right there for them. That's enough. Go ahead and, and put that on, up on the screen so they can see it. Now, remember, when communicating with me, our, our goal is to get 5 million of the people that Tribulation Trump called S-holes to contribute $100. I will not be the president of it. I will not be the board of directors. I'll, all I want to do is call the meeting. Call, I'm, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm going to call it anointed, bless it, pray over it, and then turn it over to very capable people. Amen. Amen. I got some other things I got to say. I, 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 I got the Lord's work to do. This is just a small portion of it. But we want it to be spread abroad in all the newspapers that uh, we're going after Trump's properties since he called our people S-hole people. Now, I'm going to uh, let you see some of the members of our church that are saying to Mr. Trump, that we're from Haiti. We don't go for that. Now, the, the camera didn't get over soon enough. The engineer's going to bring it up. The, ca the camera didn't get over soon enough for the little, little girl. Uh, her name is Justice. Uh, to say that she is Haitian. And then her cousin standing right beside her. You can't see him because the microphone cover in face. But these children are speaking with a loud and a proud voice. A loud and a proud voice. A loud and a proud voice, Mr. Trump, we are Haitian. Remember, five million Hamites and Canaanites, people that Trump called S-hole people, give $100 each, and we're going to buy Trump's properties and probably do a whole lot of other things as well, enrich many of the islands down there. I'll be talking about that. I got a whole lot more. Mr. Engineer, if you will, please. Mr. Trump, I am from Haiti. Mr. Trump, I'm from Haiti. Mr. Trump, I'm from Nigeria. Mr. Trump, I'm from Haiti. Mr. Trump, I am from Haiti. Mr. Trump, I'm from Haiti. Mr. Trump, I'm from Haiti. Mr. Trump, I am from Haiti. Mr. Trump, I am from St. Kitts and Nevis. Mr. Trump, I am from Nevis. And Mr. Trump, we are the Lord's people, and hallelujah, and boom, shakalaka, goes right there. We've gone through foreclosure, and we still have miles to go before we sleep. We've gone through years in this church where nobody got a payment of salary at the end of the week. Years, I'm not talking about a couple of months. I and Elizabeth and I have slept on pull-out, roll-out beds trying to get our place that we live now together. 
we have had mass desertion of people, men by the thousands that we have fed, and they've turned their backs. We've had opposition against us. We've had threats made against us. We've been marched against. We have been protested. We have been hated. We have been accused. We've been lied on. All of that and more. But I can tell you this. And now this insurance business. I'll say something to you. On this church, come hell or high water against this church, against this ministry. I will not be defeated. You can come, you can do, you can get your banks, you can get your judges. You can get the president. You can get whoever the hell you want. You're looking at a man who you cannot. I will not let this church go under. I will not let anybody padlock those doors. I will not let anybody stop the school from going on. You haven't seen a fighter. I have not begun to fight. I've just been whistling Dixie. You let somebody try to shut down this church and you'll see a man. I'm talking about a real man, a stomp down man that will protect his people. You can go to bed at night and rest comfortably knowing that this man cannot be defeated. This church will never be closed. This program, this ministry will always stand. I'm the Lord's servant. Know that. The day will never come when we get put outdoors. You're looking at a man. You're looking at a man. I'm the Lord's servant. Okay, not about no judges, no president, no courts, or nothing else. I'm the Lord's servant. I'm a fighter. I've told you I will never be defeated. I've already told you that. You better go out there and tell them people in the insurance company. You better go out there and tell these people in the banks. You better go tell them I will never be defeated. Yeah. Yeah. On yesterday in response to the Parkland County School, the shooting where 17 people were killed a little over a month ago, uh, high school students all over America in several major cities and small cities and towns uh, took to the streets in protest of our congressional leaders dragging their feet regarding uh, sensible gun legislation. And these are all high school students from uh, even right here in New York, Bedford-Stuyvesant, which is uh, pretty much a Hamite uh, community. In Bronx, New York, they marched. They marched in Jacksonville. They marched in L.A. They marched in Washington, D.C. And there's yet a bigger march coming up uh, towards the end of this month of these young high school students who broke uh, with the rules of the school and just left their desk and their book bags and took to the streets saying that uh, your blood, our, our blood, your hands, sensible gun legislation. Now, there's several things I want to point up about this 
the power of this march. This is, we've never seen a march quite this young before. We've never seen a group of people quite this energized uh, as before. Uh, there are a couple of things, as, as I said before. Number one is that in all the speeches that I heard, I didn't really hear anything shutting down the Second Amendment. There may have been some, but I didn't hear that. I heard that there needs to be a sensible way of and stopping and that the Parkland High School or the, that school there in, in Florida should be the last time that something as dreadful as that should take place. I mean, Sandy Hook didn't get it. And shame on all the people who said that Sandy Hook was a farce and a lie. Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. But the other thing I noticed is that these young people um, are of the mindset where they realize that tribulation Trump is a problem. I'd be willing to bet my last money that not one person that marched on yesterday in all the 3,100 cities across America and, the, and the, literally hundreds of thousands of children in the streets on yesterday, I'd be willing to bet my last money that not one of them come voting age, and they will be able to vote, many of them in November, and certainly in 2020, all of them will be eligible to vote at the age of 18. I'm willing to bet my last money that not one of them will vote for Trump, and not one of them will vote for a, a Republican. I'm willing to bet my last money on that, my last money, because the Trump is such a degenerate. You know, and it isn't so much that his policy are wrong. I don't agree with most of them. What most people find about Trump is that he is a degenerate human being. He is a despicable, loathsome, dis disturbing psychopath. I mean, he's just, he's just lewd and crude, degenerate. And I guarantee you, I bet my last money but not one of these young people will vote for Paul Ryan or Mitch McConnell or any other conservative Republican. So heads up out there in Republican conservative uh, right wing Sean Hannityville, y'all in trouble. You see all these young people in the street? You see them? First of all, they recommended that their parents that support Trump need to go to counseling or rehab. No, they are. They're looking at their parents and wondering, what the hell done happened to my daddy? The man's crazy. Yeah, my daddy cussed me out when he heard I had sex, this young girl said. My daddy cussed me out when he heard I had sex with one of my high school friends. And yet, he stands up in the First Baptist Church and says we have to forgive Tribulation Trump for Stormy Daniels and all the women that he has raped. And the women he says he rapes when he got it, we have to give, forgive him for what he said when he got off that bus there with Billy Bush. We have to forgive him, this young girl said. But said when she had sex, her daddy cussed her out and told her she was a whore. But yet, Tribulation Trump is a saint. All these young people look at their parents and saying, what hypocrites, what hypocrites. But I have to tell you, young people, y'all listen, I don't know if you are. It, this is a judgment of God. God has cursed your parents. These people that support Trump, God has turned them over to a reprobate mind. 
Read the book of Romans, chapter 1, starting at verse 16 down through verse 26. Or read 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, uh, verse 11. God has put a delusional spirit upon them. And read 1 Kings, uh, chapter 22, verse 22, or starting at verse 6 down through verse 25. And you will see that God has put a lying spirit in the mouth of Robert Jeffrey. No, he's a liar. God's put a lying spirit in James Dobson, Billy Graham, Franklin Graham, Jerry Falwell Jr. God has put a lying spirit in these Southern Baptist preachers and deacons. That's what's happening. So I don't know if counseling is going to help, but I understand your plight. But I can tell you this, not one of them will cast a vote for a Republican. So y'all in trouble. Y'all are in big, big, big trouble because these young people have had it with y'all. You're sellouts. And God has raised his voice through, I've never, I don't know if America's ever had a movement quite this young. This one is not going to go away. Me, I'm James David Manning, everybody. I'm the Lord. One more time for Jesus. At the cross, at the cross, where at the cross, at the cross, at the cross, My friends, I want to invite you to our Easter worship service. The Holy Week will be ending, um, and uh, the 1st of April will be the Resurrection Day. Y'all refer to it as Easter, and I'll go ahead and talk your language for the time being. It is not a pagan holiday. It's respect of Jesus having been on the cross, crucified, laid in the grave for three days, got up on Sunday morning, honoring the Sabbath before he got up out of the grave. It's going to happen this year on the 1st of April. <laughs> Don't confuse it with April Fool's Day. <laughs> and um, we want to invite you to two worship services on that day. One at 7 o'clock in the morning and the other at 10 o'clock in the morning. And in between those two services, we're going to have a little light breakfast of some finger food and things that you can pick up, some juices and cheese and smoked salmon and onions and that kind of thing, just quickly you can eat. And then we'll go to the next worship. If at all possible... We're going to hold both of the worship services outdoors in our courtyard, if at all, if the weather permitting. Now, if it's a bit chilly, we're going to have to go inside, which we will do. But if we get a warm temperature above 60 degrees on those mornings, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hold it on the outside. We're looking forward to holding it on the street and having a great time. But you're invited. There's going to be some, some powerful, joyous gospel singing. I mean, there's going to be at least... 
10, 12 gospel songs that's just going to really just set your soul on fire. And then, of course, I'm going to do some preaching as well. And uh, most of the singing will take place at the 10 o'clock worship, but some will take place at the 7 o'clock worship as well. And prior to that, on Good Friday, we're going to have worship as well. And weather permitting, we're going to have it on the outside in the courtyard. Uh, and we will start at 12 noon to 3 o'clock. We'll have seven preachers. And this year, the speakers are going to be all women that will be speaking the seven sayings from the cross. It'll be very exciting. Uh, we've had all women once before, maybe. I don't know. But we're definitely going to be doing it uh, on this coming Friday. Um, this coming Good Friday, rather. So we're inviting you to come and be a part of it. Of course, our Palm Sunday worship service is coming up this week. Um, so we want to invite you to come. It's going to be April the 1st. Don't get fooled with April Fool's Day at 7 o'clock in the morning. And if possible, it's going to be on the street. There will be seating that we'll have on the street if we have. If not, the weather's cool. Of course, we've said that. We'll be inside. There's going to be joyous, soulful gospel singing like you've never heard before. And then there'll be some stomp down preaching by yours truly. That's at 7 o'clock and 10 o'clock on Easter Sunday. Amen. And then the Good Friday worship service. Live in the New York area. Come on to the Good Friday. Get Good Friday off. Be here by 12 noon because we start right on the dock with seven of the sayings from the cross. We'd love to have you come, participate, and be a part of it. Now, Stormy Daniels, who is the one woman that Tribulation Trump will not say a word against or about, uh, has been in the news now for quite some time. Uh, she first told her story to In Touch magazine. I think they had it back in 2006 or sometime. I'm not sure when. 2007. And, uh, or in 2016, they were going to publish it. And then Michael Cohn paid $130,000 of hush money Story went away. I'm not sure exactly what happened. But Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks ago picked up on the story again, and it's been all over everywhere now. All the major, once the Wall Street Journal sterilized it and made it a, doc, a, a truly documented story that has evidence, because you just can't say you did something with the president of the United States, that you got some proof. Wall Street Journal did an investigation and found there's, there's, there's fire here. And so they publish it. And now it's being carried by most other magazines as well. Uh, and newspapers and television. It's all over everywhere. Now CBS has interviewed her for 60 Minutes. Uh, 60 Minutes is the longest running, biggest show uh, in news on television. And uh, they contracted with Stormy Daniels. She sat with them for several hours. They're going to produce an edited version. I'm not sure exactly how soon it's going to be produced. It will not be, for I understand, the next couple of days, but 60 Minutes has got it. CBS has got it. And it's going to be coming out. So I thought that I would let you know that this story is not going away. And Trump and his lawyers and all of his henchmen are defenseless of stopping this woman. She says she's got tapes. I don't know. She says she's got concrete evidence. I don't know. She was paid $130,000. We don't know from whom. At least that's what Trump said. He didn't pay it. But somebody paid it because Michael Cohen had to hock his house to raise that kind of money. I'm amazed. I'm surprised, quite frankly. Should have went to see some of my friends over there in Brooklyn. 
Well, I don't hang around the drug dealers. Anyway, so let's see whether or not Tribulation Trump uh, will break his silence on this matter uh, and whether or not uh, Stormy Daniels is going to break her hush contract agreement where it is in the, one of the stipulations in the agreement is that if she reveals anything about her sexual reactions with Trump, it'll cost her $1 million every time she does it. Now, her lawyer is saying that she's ready to go forward and break. They offer to, take, they offer to give the $130,000 back to, Ma, to, to, to Michael Cohen. They wouldn't take it. They offered to sit down in, in arbitration to work this out because Trump did not sign the original hush money agreement. He didn't sign it. So they're saying it's invalid. But what she's willing to do now is to risk being tried, charged a million dollars every time she speaks about her and Trump. And her lawyer is saying she's ready to do it now. And if they want, if President Trump want to sick his lawyers on Stormy Davis to try to get a million dollars out of her to shut her up, first of all, he'll have to admit that he's the one that is the reason for this action in the first place, which I don't think he wants to do. But the lawyer for Stormy Daniels said if they want to do that, bring it on. <laughs> I'm going to sit back and get myself a big bag of popcorn <laughs> and some good water. Well, I might even have some, uh, some ginger ale and watch this because this is going to get good. <laughs> this is going to get good. At any rate, everybody, I'm going to see if Robert Jeffers in the Southern Baptist will try to contact Stormy Daniels and see if they can bribe her with a ticket to heaven. <laughs> and she'll just shut up. At any rate, I'm James Evan Manning, everybody. I'm the Lord servant. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Why should I pay them taxes after I'm doing them a great service? Because we weren't here to do it. The city would have to come in and feed and educate these children. We don't get a dime from the city the state, nor the federal government. Not one dime, not one dime from any of them demons. Not one dime comes to, to cook that food. Not one dime. Every bit of it comes from the tithe and the offering. And, the, and they say, after we serve all these meals, educate all these children, keep people out of prison, counsel husbands and wives, they say I should pay them taxes also. No! No, we're not paying them any taxes. Why should we? And that's why the tax exemption for churches and charitable organizations was set up in the first place. Because churches do work that ostensibly the state or the government doesn't have to do. I don't know about this Haitian music. I, you listen to here. I don't know about this Haitian music. I don't know what they're saying. Whether it's Creole, whether it's French, I don't know what they're saying. Uh, but I can tell you this, that... Uh, uh, you know, it's music. And if it ain't clean, then I'm going to ask God to clean it up. But we thought that uh, we listened to this sound as we drove through the streets. 
very much for your love and support that made it possible for me to travel to Haiti. I thank the Lord Jesus Christ most of all, who, um, who has been unusually generous to me, giving me the ability to love and uh, to withstand many of the things that uh, would have long since prevented me and put me in the grave, but I, I'm grateful to him. I'm grateful to talk to you that you will listen to me because we're going to we're going to go to Haiti not so much to help them we're going to go there for Haiti to help us but the Bible says the last shall be first and we believe that this is the day of the last we believe that these are the last days even you've heard your preacher say that these last days these are the last days and the last people shall be the first people to enter in. I believe that, no, that, oh, we can try to do some things for the people there in Haiti, but they can do a whole lot more for us. Stop the school shootings, stop the abortions, stop the breakup of families, stop the power of the devil from corrupting the politicians. I can guarantee you the school that I showed you in the classroom, they don't teach sodomy and same-sex marriage in those classrooms. And the beautiful children that you saw marching the streets, the girls were girls and the boys were boys. They have not been infested and corrupted. And one of the things that you may have seen with the garbage and what looks like just utter despair that physically represent, is represented there in, in Haiti. Well, the Lord has sent me here to tell you that America has more garbage in her schools there's more garbage in the churches and in the pews. There's more garbage and stinking water. There's more garbage and backed up toilets 
and mud in the churches across Southern Baptist, Evangelicals, African Methodist Episcopal churches, Evangelicals in Salem, is full of garbage, full of refuse. No one has come along to clean up the streets. And the churches of America and the schools of America overflowing with garbage and rubbish and Let's get close to the Lord, oh yeah. Let's get close to the Lord, oh yeah. Living life from day to day, we so busy, lose our way. About it, we are on the Manning Report, and guess who you've got? You've got Manning. That's me, James David, righteous rebel Manning. And Sabbath is still working with us uh, in terms of production, and she'll be back uh, joining us as co-hosts uh, in not too many days. Large number of things to cover today. Thing number one, we want to cover. Is I want to ask a question about why is it that a big-time lawyer? like Michael Cohen, uh, who has been uh, Tribulation Trump, the great billionaire's personal attorney since 2006, has to hawk his house in order to raise $130,000 to pay Tribulation Trump's sex bills. I mean, I mean, I mean, he had to hawk his house. This is all documented, my friend. I'm not making this up to raise $130,000 to pay for Tribulation Trump's sex bills. Michael Cohen's house is now in jeopardy because of Trump's sex escapades with Stormy Daniels. A couple of questions. Number one, doesn't Michael Cohen or Tribulation Trump have a stash? Remember Goodfellas? Remember the movie that went on and on and on with these Italian guys out there in Brooklyn? Or Long Island. And they would all like, have a stash, a, you know, a safe box with money stashed under a bed or, you know, in their grandmama's house somewhere. You know, we can go get ready cash when the bank ain't open. Doesn't Trump have a stash? Because uh, doesn't, not, doesn't, I mean, I mean, it, he had to put his house in hock. Listen, when you, when you hock your house, I mean, you ain't got no money nowhere else that you can go and get. And this, Michael Cohen has been Trump's lawyer since 2006, and he can't put his hands on $130,000 after serving the great big $10 billion billionaire? Somebody said, either both of these boys are broke and poor as Job's turkey, or something about this ain't right. One of the things I know for sure, that if they had money, if that they wouldn't have had to, you know, you don't, you just don't hawk your house. You know, you you sell something. You know, you you borrow it from a friend. You you know, you get a personal loan from the bank. You know, you sell some stocks. Uh, you 
Take something out your 401k. You don't hock your house unless you're down poor showing a broke. But that's what he did. So, I mean, what, what kind of conclusion are we to draw from that? But the other thing is that he didn't do it to pay a medical bill. He, he didn't do it to save someone from cancer, uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, you know, or you know, a charitable organization was in desperate need of feeding the children and um, he raised money quick. He hocked his house to be able to, no, it was to pay a sex bill for a low-life degenerate like Tribulation Trump. I mean, can I talk to you? This thing is stinking to high heaven. I mean, and then I understand it was reported in one of the newspapers that he got, that Cohen got angry because Trump didn't give him the money back. So now, I don't think, you know, Trump is the one. Trump is denying that he had sex with Stormy Daniels. But who else would Michael Cohen put his house in hock for? Who? <laughs> Can you see how crazy? You see how deranged this whole process is? How deranged this whole Trump orbit is? $130,000. And then that ain't all. He went and formed an LLC, which is a limited liability corporation named Essential Consultants. Because he didn't take the, you know, the bank, you know, you go to the bank, I need $130,000 on my mortgage, on my, I've been paying my mortgage, that the bank will put, you know, most people have the money goes directly into your account, right? Or they give you a check. Why didn't he just have, write a check from his account to um, uh, the Aventi, Michael Aventi, uh, Aventi, who's Stormy Daniels' lawyer, if I'm pronouncing his name correct, forgive me if I'm butchering it. Just write a check to the law firm there in California. That's it. It's paid. Right? No, he goes and spends money and time creating a bogus or phony LLC called Essential Consultants. And then he puts the money in a consensus after open up a bank account, demonstrate it's a business, put the money in there, and then writes a check from essential consultants to the to another lawyer, a lawyer named what's her name? Her name is Jill Martin, who is a California lawyer, and she is assistant general counsel in the Trump organization, and she uh, runs the Trump golf course just outside of Los Angeles. So he writes the check to her, and then she, uh, well, then orchestrates the agreement and issues the check because Michael Cohen is not licensed to practice law in California, so he has to get another lawyer, but he gets another Trump lawyer, right? When I would think, just give her the money. But they're trying to hide something. So they went through this LLC down in Delaware, then back out of Delaware into Long Beach, California, somewhere like that, and then into and then into Los Angeles. I mean, this money went. This money has been all over the world. <laughs> the fellow told me that uh, uh, that is the uh, members of the, the the dollar bills were in the church call, uh, offering basket. And uh, so there was some $100 bills there, $50 bills, and $1 bills. 
So the, 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 the $50 bill asked the $100 bill, said, where you been? So the $100 bill said, man, oh, I've been all over the world. I've been to the fastest restaurants. I've been to the, the chicest clothing stores. And I've been to the fancy automobile places. And so the $100 bill asked the $50 bill, where you been? Bill said, well, I've been to some of the places, not quite as often, but I, you know, I've been to fancy restaurants and, you know, I've been to Broadway and I've been to a whole lot of places and, uh, and just having a traveling the world. So the $50 bill asked the $1 bill, said, where you been? The $1 bill said, I've been in church. I've been in church. I've been, I've been in church. Okay. All right. Okay. I can never get people to laugh. I don't know what it is. Anyway, so. All this, this money, this $130,000, first it went down to Delaware, then it came back from Delaware to New York, then went from New York to, uh, to California, and from California to some city in California, and then to Los Angeles. What are they trying to hide? In here, okay, so I'm making a little, but my, my concern here is this, is that Trump does not have $130,000 cash, stash, Michael Cohen, a big-time lawyer for a billionaire has to hawk his house for a hundred grand to pay a sex bill? This is stupid. Hey, Robin Jefferson, what do you think about that? Hey, James Dobson. Hey, Jerry Falwell Jr. Hey, Alex Jones, Sean Hannity. Hey, Sean, why don't you let him have 130? What y'all think about that? That your lawyer has to hawk his house to pay your sex bill and didn't get the money back. I'm James Avery Manning, everybody. I'm the Lord's servant. Uh, Cardi, pass has one more question. Uh, one more question. I promise I'm going to bother you any further. Don't bother me no more. The question is, are you, are you happy? Are you happier now? Um, actually... Ever since I became like real popular, I'm not really that happy to be honest with you because you have people like you all the time judging me. When I was, when I was me and judging nobody you. knew me. No, you. you, you, you judge, you judge. How do you, you think judge he judges? Beyonce. you? Like you judge Beyonce. Like you have people I'm, like you always judging me and it's just like. It's hurtful. It's, it's, it's annoying, and I can't stand it. And it's how so crazy I because you? I make... How did I judge you? You're, you're biased, and I, I'm not going to blame I'm, you for I'm that. I'm expressing a point of I, view. I am not going You're to. judging me. You're, you're judging me. I'm not... I'm expressing I'm, a Cardi, point is of he view. allowed to have his... Is everybody allowed, allowed to have their point of view? Opinion. I'm just telling you my opinion. That's what I'm saying. Your opinion is okay. You could do what but you want to do. But it's not a judgment. Cardi, pass has one more question. One more question. I promise I'm not bother you any further. I need to ask something of those of you who were with me during the days of Obama and uh, you're still hanging on, but we don't have a relationship anymore. Others of you may wonder why I don't relate to you any further since we've moved from Obama to tribulation Trump. And, and then, of course, you might want to get this message out to some of the friends that y'all may have been discussing what has happened to me. Have I flipped? Have I become racist, et cetera, et cetera. I, I want to ask you just one question, and I promise not to inflict myself upon you any further. Truly, why can't you give me the freedom of speech to speak against Tribulation Trump, Japheth and Shem, the way I spoke against Obama and Japheth? And, and listen, now before you answer. Before you answer, you may think that Tribulation Trump is a saint. You may like me or these other fools out here 
who say that God sent him. I'm, oh, I, that's, that's fine. That's, that, that's fine. You have to realize people said the same thing about Obama, that God sent him. Yet, when I spoke against Obama, when I put Obama on trial, when I went after him, I mean, I got, I could run up 500,000 views or 900,000 views or a million views. I could run them up in a heartbeat in two, three days because you were out there. And I want to speak to the Hamites, people like Tom Joyner, Steve Harvey, and all the other broadcasters in the Hamite regime. Why aren't y'all picking up on me the way uh, uh, Shem and Japheth picked up on me and carried me and allowed me to, 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 to have these, this wide publicity? I'm coming, you're, I'm uh, Tom Joyner and Steve Harvey. Y'all missing a great opportunity. Uh, but I have been able to do better with just one person, Janice Bennett, uh, Benz, who is an entertainment pro professional who has allowed uh, my video about Trump to reach nearly 6 million views. So all y'all combined probably couldn't do that. But so God has a way. But I want to ask, I want to ask you brothers out there looking at me now, calling me a racist, a hater and a flipper. Why can't I have the freedom to talk about Tribulation Trump. Why are you taking that away from me? Well, I mean, you agree with me when I was talking with Obama, talking about Obama and Jafer, and I'm good with that. But you have to realize that your mouth ain't the prayer book, and you don't get to choose who I approve of or who I don't approve. You don't get to choose that. And because you have chosen Tribulation Trump as a Messiah, as a prophet, as this extraordinary person, you don't get a chance to impose that on me. And then if I don't agree with you, all of a sudden, I'm a racist. No! Freedom of speech. It, it really represents your lower intellectual strengths and a baser personality that is no higher than room temperature in terms of your intellect. Because if you have no further discerning abilities to look and say, well, he spoke against Obama, and why can't he speak against Trump? If you can't make that decision, notwithstanding, you can have your own opinion. But if you're not discerning enough to recognize, I have the freedom of speech to speak about each one of these low-life pieces of trash. If you don't know that as a way of which you guide your life, you are as dumb as dumb. And as you can call, when you call me a racist or a flipper or whatever, it just demonstrates just how dumb you are. It's not even a racist. Because it, racism would, would give you at least, you still can be a discerning person as a racist. You're just too stupid to realize I have the freedom, of, the right of freedom of speech. If I don't like Trump, I don't have to like him because you like him. It's childish. It's kindergarten. It's juvenile. It's who you are. You are despicable. And Trump is a degenerate, no doubt about it. So, you know, I, I mean, why can't I condemn him? Why? You know why? You know what your problem is? Is because for years you knew and know now. I'm a truth speaker. I speak truth to power 
all up in the Oval Office is where my truth goes. And you know it coming fresh out of heaven as a fiery chariot, my truth goes, stoked down, shown up, boom, shakalaka truth. And you know it. And that's why you don't want me talking about Trump. Because you know I'm telling the truth on that orange hat orangutan, that coochie grabber, that New York liberal, that bankruptcy king, that rapist and racist, that liar from way back when, that despicable, deboogie-eating generate. You know I'm telling the truth. That's why you don't like it. No, you're discerning. You know better. You just don't like it because I'm telling the truth. The difference between me and you ain't racism. It's just that you are willing to live with a lie because the truth ain't in you. And therefore, you will cohort and suborn and promote a lie, but not me. I'm James David Manning, everybody. I'm the Lord's servant. I will not let that orange-haired orangutan, I will not let that coochie grabber, I will not let that scumbag, I will not let that liar, I will not let that psychopath, I will not let that Nazi tribulation Trump speak ill against the members of this church or the members of any of the states and nations of Africa or Haiti or anybody else. I rebuke you in the strongest terms. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I rebuke your mama and I rebuke her where the sun don't shine. You ever raise your voice against the people that God has put uh, under his care and under the power of his word. I rebuke your mama where the sun don't shine. I rebuke you and everything you stand for. I curse and bind you, you orange-haired orangutan, you low-life piece of dung yourself. You're worthy only for a major flush along with no wiping, you piece of dung. You ever, don't you ever, don't you ever, and those of you that agree with tribulation Trump with respect to Haiti, you will not speak. And I'm calling on every Hamite, everyone with any Haitian or Hamite blood anywhere at any time to stand up and defend. Do not let this orange hat freak. Don't let this Nazi label the people of Haiti or the people of Africa or their progenity as dung. Don't do it. Orange had orangutan, the piece of trash, the piece of dung born of that wicked woman out there in Queens that hatched him from between her legs out there in Queens one day. Because that's what happened. He wasn't born. He was hatched with feathers on him coming out of his mama's vagina, smelling like the landfill out in Staten Island is what his mama's vagina smelled like when that freak was born. That's why he's a coochie grabber. He keeps reaching back trying to grab his mama, grab her coochie as he was hatched out of her coochie. This orange-haired orangutan, this duck, they said when well, they called him Donald, his mama, when she saw all them feathers on him, that's why she named him. She named him Donald because he's Donald Duck. That's what he is, and he's a coochie grabber because he kept trying to crawl back up in his mama's coochie. That's how come he's such a liar and a freak. 
I want to put forth a call for five million Hamites, Canaanites, Haitians in particular, and in the league to form a union uh, to contribute $100 each to buy all of Tribulation Trump's properties, starting with Mar-a-Lago and the Trump International Hotel, Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, and the Trump International Hotel in Washington, D.C., starting there. Five million Hamites and Canaanites uh, contributing $100 each, raising a half a billion dollars to start the process of purchasing, purchasing Tribulation Trump's properties. And the reason why they should going to be purchased, and they'll be purchased at a fire sale, because Trump will be indicted or commit suicide or the Mueller investigation will tighten a noose around him so tight that he's gonna to have to sell off, off his properties. I just did a piece earlier where I explained that Tribulation Trump's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, had to hock his house to raise $130,000. Now, you know, when you know, I got to, when you have to hock your house to raise $130,000 to pay a sex bill, Ain't no money. They, these boys ain't got no money. They ain't got no money. This went to the drug dealer. At any rate, or loan shop. But at any rate, I, I, I seriously, I want this to be very carefully now. Think about this, and we'll see how God will work all this out. If five million Hamites and Canaanites with Haitians in the league, and everybody all down in the islands, invested $100 it would raise half a billion. If 10 million Hamite Canaanites invested $100, it would raise a billion dollars. That would be enough money to put in a structured program whereby it would then begin to finance the purchase of Mar-a-Lago in Florida, and the Trump International Hotel in Washington, D.C., the Trump Tower here in New York, and some of the Trump golf courses, the Delray Beach uh, Trump golf course also in Florida, and other properties as well that will be sold at a fire sale because Trump is going to need money. He's going to need it desperately. His son-in-law, Jared Kushner, has been flim-flamming people from various nations taking money while alleging to be an emissary for the Trump administration representing America. He's representing himself. All of this Mueller is going to put a squeeze on them. And when it happens, they're going to need money. In fact, they need money now. They need money desperately now. So I would think that if, if those who are out there would hear me, and we can find some people that are credible financial people whose hearts are in the right place, that are either Hamanite or Canaanite, whose hearts are in the right place, but they have great financial expertise. They have been known to deal in an equitable way and an honest way with the people, whether it be a broker from Wall Street or an insurance representative or some other kind of person that is a Hamite or Canaanite who has financial experience and put together a board of directors and then hold a conference and ask each 
Hamite or Canaanite person for $100 only in honor of refuting Tribulation Trump for having called Africa and Haiti as an asshole. And most Hamites, you can get 10 million Hamites to come up with $100. That ain't no big thing. You'll get Hamites who want to come up with 1,000 or 100,000 knowing that we can take Trump's properties, all of them, all of them. The man that disparaged uh, Haiti and Africa in the worst way, and we can then run our beautiful children, turn the properties into schools, turn the Mar-a-Lago in, into a school to educate at all levels, into a college to educate uh, and, and, and give Haitian children visas to come to educate themselves and all, from all down in the islands, from down in St. Kitts, from down in uh, Jamaica, can come to Mar-a-Lago and we can turn uh, Trump Tower uh, into an education institution or keep it as a hotel and use it as an international Hamite and Canaanite hotel managed by, we need to find people that are Hamites who have hotel management experience. Uh, we need the people who have worked for the Four Seasons Hotel, who have worked for the upscale, the St. Regis here in, uh, in New York. We have a member of our church who's now studying law who worked for the Waldorf Astoria at one time. We need to find people of the Hamite Canaanite persuasion and ability who have expertise, who work at the Waldorf, who've worked at the Plaza Hotel, who work at the Four Seasons, and who've worked at Marriott's and other Hilton's, and who understand hotel management, so that when we take charge of this, it will not be a skippy organization run down half-hearted. No, it'll be run in the most upscale way, even better than Tribulation Trump is running it. Yeah, and promoted as such, and the education. Well, I'm not talking about my doing this themselves. I just want to get out there and put the idea out there. We need to get out there on the Steve Harvey show and the Tom Joyner and everybody else. I'm putting the idea out there. See, God's given me the strength to blow the idea. God's given me the mouthful of blessings to bless the project. And then we can call for it. And we'll look at the, 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 the pedigrees, the resumes of those who would want to orchestrate, say that the president, the board of, the board of directors, the chairman of this organization, bringing five million or 10 million Hamites and Canaanites together to then purchase Trump properties. And, and, and we, even before Mueller ties that noose around his neck completely, let him know that we're watching him. We're waiting for him to fall so we can take his properties and let everybody else know it as well. And there's another thing, a shield that I have called the Sabbath day unity of Hamites and Canaanites that will stop all of Wall Street. We'll get to that. That's another uh, blessing that God's put in my mouth. We'll get to that at another time. But yeah, I don't have to run this. You say, Pastor, you're trying to run it. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm the Lord's servant. I ain't got time to run no banking industry. No, I'll, I will teach in a school, but I ain't got time to do this or put together a board of directors or sit down and have coffee in Danish with y'all in some boardroom. I ain't going to do that. That ain't my stick. That ain't my style. I don't do that. I'm just the Lord. So I'm telling you what the Lord says. So y'all take it and run with it. Take it and run with it. But I want to be there 
the blessing, call it together, hold the first prayer meeting, and we're going to look for the best and the finest of the Hamites and brothers who got a good record. Now, we, we, we don't want none of these politicians. I'll tell you this right now. Now, I will have some, I do want to have some say. We're, we're, no, no politician. You're congressman. No, no, no. You done been tainted by that chicken blood. You've been eating chicken blood. You're a politician. You've been eating chicken blood. And you have to be, to be a politician to the Hamite community to come out of the hood. You, you sell us out. We know that. Oh, we know that things you have to do. You have to bow down to Mr. Charlie and sell us out. We know that. And that's why we don't want you. Because you've been, you had chicken blood in you. Well, find some brothers that nobody knows about. Find a brother who has demonstrated that he's been upright, upstanding, manages his family well, and has a love for the Lord God Almighty, and he's, he's uh, kept his nose clean. There's somebody out there that can do it. And then put together a constituent of board of directors to serve along with him. And then we'll find people that know how to manage the Waldorf or worked at the Waldorf. And you get the idea. No, I don't have to have, all I want to do is open it up with the first prayer meeting. I, I want to call for it. And get out there in the ether and get out there on these broadcast programs and begin to talk about it so the Hamite community can wake up and realize we can buy Trump's properties. And we want him to hear about it while he's deliberating. We want him to hear about it. We're going to tell you, brother, when you go, gone, guess what? We're going to be in your house uh, doing the do. Ha! That's right. We're going to be in your house. Listen to James Brown say it loud. <laughs> you know, Maxine Waters' husband is a banker. Is that right? Uh, he is. I think they, they, they so we'll talk to him. I don't know whether he would be suitable for this. I don't know whether that, because they were in a little trouble, and Maxine Waters is a politician. But she might be able to help us. No, we're going to go ahead now. And uh, I'm, I'm putting it out here today. Uh, you got my information. Call me. Now, you will call me or you uh, send an email or you contact me, uh, put, that, put that number up on the board there, Mr. Engineer, the 877-777-0734. Uh, they can call, and then the secretary will take the number, and I'll get back to you when I got the time. I'm a pastor. I got, I got a school I'm running here, and I got sermons I'm preaching, and, a, and a, a report that I'm doing here, and I got people in this community that in New York City that I'm fighting. Well, I'll get back to you when I get Send me an email. Put all that information up. Put the email information up so you send me an email. You can send it directly to me at otlaw1 at aol.com. I'll take it. But the best thing for you to do now to really get with this, the best thing for you to do is to follow me on Twitter at Dr. James D. Manning, right? Follow me on Twitter and, and, and go to my Dr. James David Manning Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter and Dr. James D. Manning, put that up, Mr. Engineer, as well. All right, where well, we're putting it up, take down the title so you can put all that stuff. We don't need the title no more. Take, can you take that down and put up, the put up the Twitter account, put up the telephone number, put up the email address, put up the Facebook address, and put up the Instagram address. And you follow me on all those things. That way, every time I open my mouth, what I say is on Twitter. Every time I open my mouth, it goes out on Twitter. Every time I open my mouth, it goes out on Facebook, except for when they throw me in jail and they ban me for 30 days or something like that. But Twitter's more reliable. Instagram is more reliable. 
My email address is always there. It's always there. And when communicating with me, put in your headline subject matter so I, won't be, I know I won't be listening to some knucklehead. Uh, 500,000 uh, Hamites and Canaanites to buy Tribulation Trump properties. Put that in the subject matter and we'll be able to uh, know exactly uh, who it is that needs my attention. So let me recap. I'm asking the engineer, put up all that information, Mr. Engineer, uh, so that people can see it. The telephone number, the email address, the uh, Twitter account number, Dr. James D. Manning, that's gonna be your most substantial way of dealing with me through Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, Dr. James D. Manning, at Dr. James D. Manning. It's my Twitter handle. And uh, then there's the Atla, uh, uh, AL1, AL, 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 and then of course there's the Instagram. You can go to Instagram if you like. Mr. Engineer, can you go ahead and, we want to put Instagram up. Just That's enough right there for them. That's enough. Go ahead and, and put that on, up on the screen so they can see it. Now remember, when communicating with me, our, our goal is to get five million of the people that Tribulation Trump call S-holes to contribute $100. I will not be the president of it. I will not be the board of directors. I'll, all I want to do is call the meeting. Call, I'm, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm going to call it, anoint it, bless it, pray over it, and then turn it over to very capable people. Amen. Amen. I got some other things I got to say. I, 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 I got the Lord's work to do. This is just a small portion of it. But we want it to be spread abroad in all the newspapers that uh, we're going after Trump's properties since he called our people S-hole people. Now, I'm going to uh, let you see some of the members of our church that are saying to Mr. Trump, that we're from Haiti. We don't go for that. Now, the, the camera didn't get over soon enough. The engineer's going to bring it up. The, ca the camera didn't get over soon enough for the little, little girl. Uh, her name is Justice. Uh, to say that she is Haitian. And then her cousin standing right beside her. You can't see him because the microphone covered in face. But these children are speaking with a loud and a proud voice. A loud and a proud voice. A loud and a proud voice, Mr. Trump, we are Haitian. Remember, five million Hamites and Canaanites, people that Trump called S-hole people, give $100 each, and we're going to buy Trump's properties and probably do a whole lot of other things as well, enrich many of the items down there. I'll be talking about that. i got a whole lot more. Mr. Engineer, if you will, please. Mr. Trump, I am from Haiti. Mr. Trump, I'm from Haiti. Mr. Trump, I'm from Nigeria. Mr. Trump, I'm from Haiti. Mr. Trump, I am from Haiti. Mr. Trump, I'm from Haiti. Mr. Trump, I'm from Haiti. Mr. Trump, I am from Haiti. Mr. Trump, I am from St. Kitts and Nevis. Mr. Trump, I am from Nevis. And Mr. Trump, we are the Lord's people, and hallelujah, and boom, shakalaka, goes right there. We've gone through foreclosure, and we still have miles to go before we sleep. 
We've gone through years in this church where nobody got a payment of salary at the end of the week. Years. I'm not talking about a couple of months. I and Elizabeth and I have slept on pull-out, roll-out beds trying to get our place that we live now together. We have had mass desertion of people, men by the thousands that we have fed, and they've turned their backs. We've had opposition against us. We've had threats made against us. We've been marched against. We have been protested. We have been hated. We have been accused. We've been lied on. All of that and more. But I can tell you this. And now this insurance business. I'll say something to you. On this church, come hell or high water against this church, against this ministry. I will not be defeated. You can come, you can do, you can get your banks, you can get your judges, you can get the president, you can get whoever the hell you want. You're looking at a man who you cannot, I will not let this church go under. I will not let anybody padlock those doors. I will not let anybody stop the school from going on. You haven't seen a fighter. I have not begun to fight. I've just been whistling Dixie. You let somebody try to shut down this church and you'll see a man. I'm talking about a real man, a stomp down man that will protect his people. You can go to bed at night and rest comfortably knowing that this man cannot be defeated. This church will never be closed. This program, this ministry will always stand. I'm the Lord's servant. No doubt. The day will never come when we get put outdoors. You're looking at a man. You're looking at a man. I'm the Lord's servant. Okay, not about no judges, no president, no courts, or nothing else. I'm the Lord's servant. I'm a fighter. I've told you I will never be defeated. I've already told you that. You better go out there and tell them people in the insurance company. You better go out there and tell these people in the banks. You better go tell them I will never be defeated. On yesterday in response to the Parkland County School, the shooting where 17 people were killed a little over a month ago, uh, high school students all over America in several major cities and small cities and towns uh, took to the streets in protest of our congressional leaders dragging their feet regarding uh, sensible gun legislation. And these are all high school students from uh, even right here in New York, Bedford-Stuyvesant, which is uh, pretty much a Hamite 
uh, community in Bronx, New York, they marched. They marched in Jacksonville. They marched in L.A. They marched in Washington, D.C. And there's yet a bigger march coming up uh, towards the end of this month of these young high school students who broke uh, with the rules of the school and just left their desk and their book bags and took to the streets saying that uh, your blood, our, our blood, your hands, sensible gun legislation. Now, there's several things I want to point up about this, uh, the power of this march. This is, we've never seen a march quite this young before. We've never seen a group of people quite this energized uh, as before. Uh, there are a couple of things, as, as I said before. Number one is that in all the speeches that I heard, I didn't really hear anything shutting down the Second Amendment. There may have been some, but I didn't hear that. I heard that there needs to be a sensible way of and stopping and that the Parkland High School or the, that school there in, in Florida should be the last time that something as dreadful as that should take place. I mean, Sandy Hook didn't get it. And shame on all the people who said that Sandy Hook was a farce and a lie. Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. But the other thing I noticed is that these young people um, are of the mindset where they realize that tribulation Trump is a problem. I'd be willing to bet my last money that not one person that marched on yesterday in all the 3,100 cities across America and, the, and the, literally hundreds of thousands of children in the streets on yesterday, I'd be willing to bet my last money that not one of them come voting age, and they will be able to vote, many of them in November, and certainly in 2020, all of them will be eligible to vote at the age of 18. I'm willing to bet my last money that not one of them will vote for Trump, and not one of them will vote for a, a Republican. I'm willing to bet my last money on that, my last money, because the Trump is such a degenerate. You know, and it isn't so much that his policies are wrong. I don't agree with most of them. What most people find about Trump is that he is a degenerate human being. He is a despicable, loathsome, dis disturbing psychopath. I mean, he's just, he's just lewd and crude, degenerate. And I guarantee you, I bet my last money. But not one of these young people will vote for Paul Ryan or Mitch McConnell or any other conservative Republican. So heads up out there in Republican, conservative, uh, right-wing, Sean Hannityville, y'all in trouble. You see all these young people in the street? You see them? First of all, they recommended that their parents that support Trump need to go to counseling or rehab. No, they are. They're looking at their parents and wondering, what the hell done happened to my daddy? The man's crazy. Yeah, my daddy cussed me out when he heard I had sex, this young girl said. My daddy cursed me out when he heard I had sex with one of my high school friends. And yet, he stands up in the First Baptist Church and says we have to forgive Tribulation Trump for Stormy Daniels and all the women that he has raped 
And the women he says he rapes when he got it, we have to give, forgive him for what he said when he got off that bus there with Billy Bush. We have to forgive him, this young girl said. But said when she had sex, her daddy cussed her out and told her she was a whore. But yet, tribulation Trump is a saint. All these young people look at their parents and say, what hypocrites? What hypocrites? But I have to tell you, young people, y'all listen, I don't know if you are. It, this is a judgment of God. God has cursed your parents. These people that support Trump, God has turned them over to a reprobate mind. Read the book of Romans, chapter 1, starting at verse 16 down through verse 26. Or read 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, uh, verse 11. God has put a delusional spirit upon them. And read 1 Kings, uh, chapter 22, verse 22, or starting at verse 6 down through verse 25. And you will see that God has put a lying spirit in the mouth of Robert Jeffers. No, he's a liar. God's put a lying spirit in James Dobson, Billy Graham, Franklin Graham, Jerry Falwell Jr. God has put a lying spirit in these Southern Baptist preachers and deacons. That's what's happening. So I don't know if counseling is going to help, but I understand your plight. But I can tell you this, not one of them will cast a vote for a Republican. So y'all in trouble. Y'all are in big, big, big trouble because these young people have had it with y'all. you sellouts. And God has raised his voice through, I've never, I don't know if America's ever had a movement quite this young. This one is not going to go away. Me, I'm James David Manning, everybody. I'm the Lord. Servant. One more time for Jesus. At the cross. At the cross. My friends, I want to invite you to our Easter worship service. The Holy Week will be ending, um, and uh, the 1st of April will be the Resurrection Day. Y'all refer to it as Easter, and I'll go ahead and talk your language for the time being. Uh, it is not a pagan holiday. It's respect of Jesus having been on the cross, crucified, laid in the grave for three days, got up on Sunday morning, honoring the Sabbath before he got up out the grave. It's going to happen this year on the 1st of April. <laughs> Don't confuse it with April Fool's Day. <laughs> and um, we want to invite you to two worship services on that day. One at 7 o'clock in the morning and the other at 10 o'clock in the morning. And in between those two services, we're going to have a little light breakfast of 
some finger food and things that you could pick up, some juices and cheese and smoked salmon and onions and that kind of thing, just quickly you can eat, and then we'll go to the next worship. If at all possible, we're going to hold both of the worship services outdoors in our courtyard, if at all, if the weather permitting. Now, if it's a bit chilly, we're going to have to go inside, which we will do. But if we get a warm temperature above 60 degrees on those mornings, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hold it on the outside. We're looking forward to holding it on the street and having a great time. But you're invited. There's going to be some, some powerful, joyous gospel singing. I mean, there's going to be at least 10, 12 gospel songs that's just going to really just set your soul on fire. And then, of course, I'm going to do some preaching as well. And most of the singing will take place at the 10 o'clock worship, but some will take place at the 7 o'clock worship as well. And prior to that, on Good Friday, we're going to have worship as well. And weather permitting, we're going to have it on the outside in the courtyard. Uh, and we will start at 12 noon to 3 o'clock. We'll have seven preachers. And this year, the speakers are going to be all women that will be speaking the seven sayings from the cross. It'll be very exciting. Uh, we've had all women once before, maybe. I don't know. But we're definitely going to be doing it uh, on this coming Friday. Um, this coming Good Friday, rather. So we're inviting you to come and be a part of it. Of course, our Palm Sunday worship service is coming up this week. Um, so we want to invite you to come. It's going to be April the 1st. Don't get fooled with April Fool's Day at 7 o'clock in the morning. And if possible, it's going to be on the street. There will be seating that we'll have on the street if we have. If not, the weather's cool. Of course, we've said that. We'll be inside. There's going to be joyous, soulful gospel singing like you've never heard before. And then there'll be some stomp down preaching by yours truly. That's at 7 o'clock and 10 o'clock on Easter Sunday. Amen. And then the Good Friday worship service. Live in the New York area. Come on to the Good Friday. Get Good Friday off. Be here by 12 noon because we start right on the dock with seven of the sayings from the cross. We'd love to have you come, participate, and be a part of it. Now, Stormy Daniels, who is the one woman that Tribulation Trump will not say a word against or about, uh, has been in the news now for quite some time. Uh, she first told her story to In Touch magazine. I think they had it back in 2006 or sometime. I'm not sure when. 2007. And, uh, or in 2016, they were going to publish it. And then Michael Cohn paid $130,000 of hush money. Story went away. I'm not sure exactly what happened. But Wall Street Journal, a couple of weeks ago, picked up on the story again, and it's been all over everywhere now. All the major, once the Wall Street Journal sterilized it and made it a, doc, a, a truly documented story that has evidence, because you just can't say you did something with the President of the United States, that you got some proof. Wall Street Journal did an investigation and found there's, there's, there's fire here, and so they published it. And now it's been carried by most other magazines as well, uh, and newspapers, and television. It's all over everywhere. Now, CBS has interviewed her for 60 Minutes. Uh, 60 Minutes is the longest-running, biggest show uh, in news on television. And uh, they contracted with Stormy Daniels. She sat with them for several hours. They're going to produce an edited version. I'm not sure exactly how soon it's going to be produced. It will not be, for I understand, the next couple of days, but 60 Minutes has got it. CBS has got it. 
and it's going to be coming out. So I thought that I would let you know that this story is not going away. And Trump and his lawyers and all of his henchmen are defenseless of stopping this woman. She says she's got tapes. I don't know. She says she's got concrete evidence. I don't know. She was paid $130,000. We don't know from whom. At least that's what Trump said. He didn't pay it. But somebody paid it because Michael Cohen had to hock his house to raise that kind of money. I'm amazed. I'm surprised, quite frankly. Should have went to see some of my friends over there in Brooklyn. Well, I don't hang around the drug dealers. Anyway, so let's see whether or not Tribulation Trump uh, will break his silence on this matter uh, and whether or not uh, Stormy Daniels is going to break her hush contract agreement where it is in one of the stipulations in the agreement is that if she reveals anything about her sexual reactions with Trump, it'll cost her $1 million every time she does it. Now, her lawyer is saying that she's ready to go forward and break. They offer to, take, they offer to give the $130,000 back to, Ma, to, to, to Michael Cohen. They wouldn't take it. They offered to sit down in, in arbitration to work this out because Trump did not sign the original hush money agreement. He didn't sign it. So they're saying it's invalid. But what she's willing to do now is to risk being tried, charged a million dollars every time she speaks about her and Trump. And her lawyer is saying she's ready to do it now. And if they want, if President Trump want to sick his lawyers on Stormy Davis to try to get a million dollars out of her to shut her up, first of all, he'll have to admit that he's the one that is the reason for this action in the first place, which I don't think he wants to do. But the lawyer for Stormy Daniels said if they want to do that, bring it on. <laughs> I'm going to sit back and get myself a big bag of popcorn <laughs> and some good water. Well, I might even have some, uh, some ginger ale and watch this, because this is going to get good. <laughs> this is going to get good. At any rate, everybody, I'm going to see if Robert Jeffers in the Southern Baptist will try to contact Stormy Daniels and see if they can bribe her with a ticket to heaven. <laughs> she'll just shut up. At any rate, I'm James Evan Manning, everybody. I'm the Lord servant. I want to tell you something, and I pray that people spread this around. The um, if you at this point are still a diehard Trump supporter, uh. You, you are a candidate for a straitjacket. You're a damn fool. Uh, now, damn is in the Bible. If there are any children listening, it says those that believe and are baptized shall be saved, and those that believe not shall be damned. That's in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 16. But having said that, and I think that going forward, that we need to clearly recognize that the Trump supporter is 
of a criminal mind and they are incorrigible. I mean, when the slogan of a people is no matter what ill or sin that their leader does, he, they will still always follow him blindly. Trump said if he stepped out on Fifth Avenue and shot somebody, he wouldn't lose one supporter. Nothing in history, not in Rome, not in the Pharaohs, not with Alexander the Great, not with, you know, Genghis Khan, Mousy Tongue. We have moved into a new era, an epoch of debauchery, where no matter what the leader does and how vile it is, it does not raise indignation among his supporters. These people are sick as hell. And so their children. Well, this sickness is, is put on them by God. God has put this on them. God has, God has cursed them with this sickness. It's called a reprobate mind. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, God has given them a delusional spirit. But this is of God, and that's why it is so incredible. But their children are now looking and saying that they need to go to rehab. I'm afraid that rehab is not going to, you know, going to get it. It's and, and they need to go to is not going to get it. There are people that are go down that are going to go down in flames with Trump, and the going down in flames is certainly simple. Uh, symptomatic of the fact that they're going down to hell. So it is important for us to recognize now that we have reached the prophetic era of the Apostle Paul when he talked about when he talked about sodomy as a vile affection. They're lovely affections, they're clean affections, they're wholesome affections, but he said that sodomy is a vile affection. And the affection and support that is given to tribulation Trump by the Trump supporter is a vile affection. I mean, even women says here they change their natural, but never in the history of the world have grandmothers and mothers become public prostitutes before the entire known social media world by standing before the world and, and putting on a t-shirt that says, grab my coochie. That, that's unprecedented. We are in uncharted historical waters, these Japheth people. You're never going to find anything as vile as that in the history of planet Earth or Mars or Jupiter or Saturn or Venus or anywhere. Anywhere as vile as that Japheth of those Japheth women who said to this, this trash, grab my coochie. And by the way, that is simply an affirmation of what Tribulation Trump said, getting off that Billy Bush Hollywood Access tape bus when he said he grabs women without their permission. 
And when these women came out forward publicly and stood before the entire social network world and said, grab mine, they're saying that we know that that's what Trump does. He grabs people's, he grabbed, but he grabbed the wrong one when he grabbed Stormy Daniels. He grabbed the wrong one when he grabbed Stormy Daniels. Have you heard that Barron will not speak to his father anymore? Because he's seen those big boobs on, uh, in the word, uh, if they got children listening, you know, of, 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 uh, but go back to that woman uh, who said, grab mine, uh, Mr. Engineer, and, and look at where well, she's not as heavily endowed as Stormy Daniels, but she's getting there. Maybe she needs another injection or two and she'll get there. But have you heard that Barron, the son of um, Trump, will not talk to him? I and Melania is in a different bedroom. We are on in unprecedented waters, but there's no way that God could complete the tribulation without bringing these group of people who he hates, the Southern Baptist evangelical, he hates them. And he's turned them over to a reprobate mind. At any rate, my, God, my people, I am the Lord's servant. My name is James David Manning, and I'm going to keep on preaching. It'll make a junkie say Jesus is Lord. I got a word in my mouth. I got a word, 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 word in my mouth. Jesus. Place my word.